When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Welcoming you along to the final one of the week with John Paul and Sadie taking your calls at 1850-333-103. Texting and WhatsApps available at eight at 0862-103-103. As you've been probably hearing on our news bulletins all morning, the easing of the lockdown measures in little over a week now has been placed at risk as it seems more people are flouting the public health rules which have been designed to limit all of our movements. The General Medical Officer, Dr Tony Houlihan, was speaking yesterday, as was the Health Minister, Simon Harris, the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar even got involved uh, in this and warning that if today was the 5th of May, then there would be no changes at all. They would be leaving everything as is. Evidence has been been revealed showing increased traffic on the road. More people are out and about and that, of course, could jeopardise all of the plans to relax some of the emergency measures. Dr Houlihan, speaking yesterday, said we're seeing a bit of a slippage in things like traffic, uh, movement and walking more people are out and about. Now we are all allowed to go out and get a little bit of exercise. We are allowed out if, you, if you're working in an essential job and you need to get to work. You are allowed out to do your shopping but we should be limiting all of those journeys. You should be only doing it if they're absolutely necessary and of course yesterday's figures 28 more people sadly have lost their lives due to COVID-19 and then there was a record number of new cases, 936 but the reason for that was to do with the testing that's going on in uh, nursing homes. And if the virus is not contained in nursing homes, we're told there could then be sources of reinfection after the lifting of uh, the recent of uh, when they decide to lift the stricter lockdown measures. Now, Dr. Philip Nolan is with the Maynooth University and he leads a team advising on the virus's trends and the progress that's been made. And it's the R number that we're now starting to talk about that indicates the number of people that a positive person is likely to infect. So if, God forbid, I got coronavirus in the morning, my R figure would be the number of people that I would go on that would pick up coronavirus as a direct result of coming into contact with me. And we've really managed to lower that number. They now reckon it's at 0.5 to 0.8. I mean, when we first started talking about the R number with coronavirus, it was 
over four, nearly five people were being infected by every one single positive uh, case. So we have that down now to well under one and it could be as low as 0.5. And if the R number even just went to slightly above one, it would mean we would no longer be in control of the disease. And with the R figure at 0.5 to 0.8, that deems that would say we have the virus under control. Uh, Leah Varadkar said our new enemy now is complacency. He said the real risk is that we'll become lax in the next few days and weeks and then what happens we'll lose control again over the spread of the uh, virus. Dr Holohan said there is hard evidence to support anecdotal reports that this sense of complacency has crept in on people's behaviour. He referred to reports from the Irish National Seismic Network and that showed a rise in the number of vehicle traffic in recent days and then there were separate statistics showing people are moving out more and they've been doing that since Easter Monday and certainly since I, since I've come in, came back to work, I was off last week, so I have no way of knowing. I wasn't out much last week, so I have no way of knowing. And even though I was asking John Paul and Sadie, and they were saying, yeah, they saw just slight increase, but not nothing much. But certainly from this week, from Monday, there hasn't been a day, I think, that we haven't got a text or a call in from somebody that would point to a particular area, somewhere that they had been, and where they could not get over the increase in the volumes of either people out and about or cars out and about. And they were comparing it, say, to last week. I know, for example, yesterday, somebody yesterday I think it was Clonakilty was the town that was mentioned uh, they go out shopping every Thursday so they've been out last Thursday and then they were out yesterday Thursday couldn't get over the difference in a week the number of cars that were on the road and the number of people that were out and about now people doing their shopping but we've to limit the amount of shopping that we do and the European Centre for Disease Control they have their latest assessment out and they are now saying there is significant in, with the significant interest in phasing out restrictive measures but they're warning that lifting measures too quickly without appropriate monitoring and without appropriate health systems capacity it'll just cause a sudden uh, resurgence uh, transmission and that's the second wave that they're talking about and we have seen the second wave in uh, other countries and Carol has already been on to us to say Patricia apparently Singapore are in lockdown until the 5th of June after they've, they're now dealing with the second wave of COVID-19. They reduced restrictions too quickly after their first lockdown so therefore we need to be very careful. Uh, if too many people start breaking Taking the restrictions, the 12 days between now and May 5th, I can see the lockdown being extended, said Carol, or else we'll be back into another lockdown within weeks. All of us need to just stick with the restrictions until May the 5th. We've done so well. It will be such a shame in this, the last hurdle. It really is just a little over a week. We just need to all hang in there and keep it together. Uh, Hi Patricia, I had to go to Cork University Hospital yesterday from West Cork and the road was busy. I was stopped at a checkpoint. The guards were very polite uh, but you can see there would appear to be people abusing the lockdown. We must respect ourselves and at the same time we need to respect other uh, people. And And of course nursing homes, the big focus now is on nursing homes and the staffing crisis in some private nursing homes it seems, and this is worrisome, it's escalating as the 
HSE's testing blitz for the coronavirus is now forcing more workers to have to take time off. The major surge in the confirmed figures for yesterday, the 936, we've never seen a figure like that any day. That's directly linked to the increase in testing in residential facilities. When they went into all of the nursing homes, residential facilities, they discovered there were a lot of people in there who had COVID-19. But Nursing Homes Ireland are warning that the promised redeployment of workers from the HSE to make up for the staff shortfall in the private nursing homes and residential care settings is not materialising. The Chief Executive of Nursing Home Ireland's Tyg Daly, who actually spoke with us this week on the programme about it, he's quoted in the papers today uh, talking about a snapshot survey that they conducted of private and voluntary nursing homes across the country and it revealed large numbers of nursing healthcare and other staff now simply unavailable due to being diagnosed with COVID-19. Out of some 102 homes reported 223 nurses being absent due to COVID-19. Four homes said reported having more than 10 nursing staff off sick and that is really, really worried. And when the nursing homes were asked if staff had been made available and redeployed by the HSC, which was promised to support the staffing complement, 227 homes, um, 96% of them responded to say that no and that only nine said that they were being supplied with more workers. That really does need to be looked at. Now, I know there is a big shift and a big evidence um, and a big emphasis being placed on nursing homes, which I have to say is only right and proper. But we really do need to get a handle on that. And if they need more staff, because surely that is the one way that we can contain the virus in the nursing homes is by putting more staff in. And by the way, when we're looking at nursing homes in this country, and it is just so sad for family members to lose loved ones, much loved loved, loved ones who are in nursing homes. And I also uh, was thinking yesterday and I was ta- chatting with a friend of mine on the phone and we were talking about it and saying, I'm so thankful that I don't have a loved one in a nursing home or in a residential setting, that the worry that must be there because you can't go and visit them. There's the ban on the visitor restriction and then you must be literally on your knees praying every day in the hope that the person won't pick up COVID-19 because our most vulnerable are living in these nursing homes and in these care settings. And I saw, I mean, it actually made me cry yesterday. I saw a woman on the news with her Down syndrome son. He was a man in his uh, 50s who was in a residential unit and he ended up getting COVID-19 and he died. And this poor woman um, who looked in her 80s and the elderly mother, you know, she was just heartbroken because she wasn't able to be with him when he passed away. And, you know, just before he died, they did a a Skype call or a WhatsApp call so that she could see him and she could see how unwell he was and, and she knew like that he was passing away and she got to speak to him and oh, it was just heartbreaking really was heartbreaking and I know it was lovely to hear the staff say that they were with him and, and held his hand but I just said for that poor mother who had raised this you know gorgeous Down syndrome son and he'd been in the Special Olympics and you know you can imagine the pride of winning medals in the Special Olympics and then for, it to, for him to end these days like that just Oh, it just it made me cry yesterday. It just it made me cry, and I'm welling up again even now thinking about that poor woman. Uh, and there's so many others like that, and so many others are losing loved ones in situations like that, and just not being able to be with them. 
at the end of life is just it's one of the reasons that we had the Irish Hospice Foundation on with us uh, this week because they are really calling for changes to be made that you know at end of life that just for at least one family member we're not talking about the way we normally do things where an entire family would be in a room with a loved one when they're passing away but just to have one person there to hold the person's hand just at that end of uh, life and it's not just in this country that we have this issue with people dying in uh, care homes up to half of all the coronavirus deaths in Europe have taken place in care homes. This has come out from the World Health Organization yesterday and they described it as an unimaginable human tragedy. The figures were highlighted uh, by Dr Hans Glug who is with the WHO. He's the Regional Director for Europe. He gave a press briefing yesterday. He said it was a deeply concerning picture in care homes and he called the workers there in the care home settings, in the nursing homes, the residential units, he said they are the unsung heroes of this pandemic. He said it is an unimaginable human tragedy that is happening. Care home deaths across Europe reported to the World Health Organisation showed that half were people in long-term residential care. Over 110,000 people have died in Europe from coronavirus with deaths increasing by a third just in the last week. And Dr Glug said that half of the world's COVID-19 cases, which is more than 1.2 million, have been here in Europe and across the European Union. Long-term care has been notoriously neglected. He said that care home workers were underpaid, they were under-equipped, they were underprotected from this infection. He said we have a clear investment case for setting up integrated, person-centred, long-term care systems in every single country. And he said we must must step up and hopefully at the end of this pandemic when we look back and try to learn all the lessons that will be one of the really big valuable lessons that will be learned is to look at our care homes and uh, to look at the way they're run the way they're treated and that they get the same level of support that we give to all of say, our, our hospitals for example I mean the PPE the personal protection equipment uh, and we know you know there has been a big push to give it to the frontline staff and the staff that are working with the COVID patients and everybody accepts that but because of that nursing homes a lot of nursing homes and residential units were forgotten uh, about and nobody and then suddenly it gets to the stage where we have major outbreaks and huge clusters of COVID-19 in the care settings and now suddenly it's all the focus uh, is on the uh, nursing home so hopefully we'll learn from this pandemic and uh, we can put systems in place so that this can never ever happen again. Listen, so I just want to say when you're talking about people being out and about and wondering have others noticed over the past few weeks the amount of traffic flying up and down Ballydeheen in Mallow and it seems to be gone every minute of the day Okay, I have noticed trucks and lorries and buses. They'd have a valid reason. But why are there so many cars uh, out and uh, about? Well, if people are going shopping and there is an Aldi in that general uh, direction, so and there's a garage, maybe they're going for petrol, I don't know. But definitely, yeah, there's a lot more cars out on the road this week than certainly there was uh, last week. Uh, next week, thank you for your text. Um, WhatsApp says next week is the most important one where we all need to stay in. And by the way, when they're talking about cancellation of concerts, um, I 
I personally, says this text, I feel live at the marquee. None of the concerts there should go ahead. We're expecting an announcement from Aiken Promotions at two o'clock today about live at the marquee 2020 and 2021. The fact that 2021 has been mentioned, I'm assuming all of this year's concerts will be cancelled and that they will be announced instead that I don't know whether they can get an agreement with the artists that they'll perform in 2021 instead. I'm assuming that that's the line that's going to be taken, but we won't know until two o'clock. We'll be off air. But if you tune in, stay tuned to C103. We'll certainly have uh, all the news as it breaks for you here with Nick in the afternoon. But I'm not expecting any of the concerts uh, to go ahead. And someone else says, Hi Trish, I'm just wondering how is John Hannon of Mallow doing? I hope he's keeping well in these uh, difficult times. I'm just thinking about him, says Mary. Actually, I was, because John Hannon has... uh, We'd spoken to John many, many times on the programme when he was fighting for the Respresia, a drug he suffers from Alpha 1, which is a genetic form of emphysemia. And actually when this whole coronavirus thing broke and we were talking about people that would be compromised, you know, people with cystic fibrosis, anyone with any kind of a lung disorder, I thought of John Hannon straight away. So I'm assuming that he is cocooning and staying safe. But we'll reach out to him. We won't get to him today. We'll reach out to him next week and see if we can have a, a quick chat with him on the programme. It'll be great to catch up with him. And I just want to go to one more text from Sheila and Kilworth. Thank you for this, uh, Sheila. And this is responding to something that I did at the close of the programme yesterday. Sheila says, Patricia, a lady contacted you at the end of the programme yesterday having a bad hair day. She was going grey and the hair was going all over the place and she was wondering, should she? she shave it. Now, it came in just at the end of the programme and I initially went, oh God, no, don't shave your hair. That's too drastic. Don't even think about it. Was my initial reaction. Well, Sheila has come back and said, tell that woman, go for it. Go and have a little bit of fun. Sheila says, I'm 64 in September and I've just dyed my hair rainbow colours. Oh, Sheila, would you get a picture of that into us? It sounds stunning. My next step is to shave it when it gets too long. I shaved it all off about 20 years ago for charity and I have to say it was a fantastic feeling of freedom not to have to style your hair every day and who the hell is going to see you anyway? Nobody's going anywhere at the moment, says Sheila in Kilworth. So if that lady who was having the bad hair day yesterday is still having a bad hair day, Sheila in Kilworth reckons the way to go is to shave it. Do you know something? I gave I gave my reaction very instantly at the end of the programme yesterday and I suppose it's because I would dread the idea of shaving my head. I don't think I've got the proper shaped head for it. Do you know what I mean? Some people can really rock that bald look and look absolutely stunning. I mean, the obvious one, look at Sinead O'Connor when she used to shave off her hair. My goodness, she's that gorgeous face for it. So I think some people can really wear the shaved look better than others. I'm one of the ones that wouldn't be able to wear it. So that's why I think I jumped in saying don't go for it, it's too drastic. But you are dead right. I imagine that sense of freedom and not having to worry every morning. Oh God, am I having another bad hair day? And so many people, as that listener pointed out to us yesterday, are having bad hair days at the moment because there's certainly no sign of hairdressers opening for the foreseeable future. 1850-333-103 John Paul and Sadie taking your course. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Egg foil mock quid denanir is far lane. Shaw eight C103 air kirkig.
is Museum Alien and the Carrache and Crawford Art Gallery Gurkig. Nur Hulan Tuchit Nadorsha, Fine to Tishkin Shart, Erin Roll Suntasuk, Tagas Nahark Alien as a tail, Agus Sukhal Turko, I'm sure. Tagnos Kun Rohiad Mila Kurtur Night the Bliana Higging Gallery, a hostage to Agree Lorna Carrach, in Akalish and Opera House. Sayer Hadishach, the Trish Fibli, to Spontish, Agus Baluhan Boon, Donis Mo, no Rovi the Sayer. Nukta, quid denaniha, is Fari Gurkig, C103. This is not quite a COVID-19 story, but it's probably as a direct result of COVID-19. Dog poo on pavements and in parks. It's increased in recent days and weeks with more people out and about walking their pets and for whatever reason, they're deciding not to pick up after their animals. Councillor Mary Lenahan Foley from Yaw has noticed the same thing in her hometown and she joins me. Good morning to you, Mary. Morning, Patricia. Now, you actually posted about this on your Facebook page during the week and I saw you got a massive reaction to it. How bad is it in, in y'all? Look, it's the same as it is anywhere else in the county because I've had people on to me from different villages and towns all over the county saying they have exactly the same problem. But I just couldn't believe it, I suppose. Maybe I'm walking a bit more now because of COVID-19 and we're getting out for our mental health and for headspace and whatever. And we're very lucky here. We have a beautiful beach and it's within my two kilometres. So, like, I just, I go most evenings and to be honest, it's like a minefield in some areas of the town. And I just felt, I suppose, very... Now, it's always been an issue, but of late, it seems to be worse than ever. Now, <clears throat> when, I saw, when I was out the other night and I was walking in certain areas... It was just like, it was everywhere, and I just couldn't believe it. And I actually, when I came home, I said, I'm, do you know what now? I'm not inclined to put kind of a lot of stuff up, because you know yourself, Patricia, you can get kind of stalked, and you can get kind of different issues that you raise, you're getting attacked and whatever. But I said, no, I'm putting this up so that people are aware, and that maybe, you know, responsible. If you have a dog, you're responsible for the dog and for picking up the bloody poo. But, you know, I got a massive response in it, and maybe it might help, and maybe it mightn't. Yeah, you know? I should and it was I think it was the day after I read your piece I was in the car and I saw a young mother with uh, pushing a buggy and she had a little toddler walking along beside her beautiful sunny afternoon and they were out for getting their bit of exercise and she was down on her hands and knees trying to clean it off the little fella's shoes and then it was all over the wheels of the pram and I just thought oh my god what a job yeah. to have to yeah. do as yeah. they were they were going for uh, a, I mean ruined completely ruined their little walk I mean I'm assuming they just uh, headed straight home uh, but we're only allowed within two kilometres of our homes yes. so would this indicate that, that local people are not cleaning up after their dogs well it seems to be because you know like every other seaside town I suppose we don't have any visitors in y'all so it's local people um, that are and you know it's funny I went to the supermarket yesterday and I spoke to another woman and she actually stopped me and she said you know Mary I saw your piece on Facebook and she said it's disgusting and she said I actually approached somebody that she was near a park area and the dog pooed and she approached him and they just basically told her pee off you know they were they weren't interested and just didn't care and that is a brave thing to confront it somebody is. isn't it it is it is and like I feel now I suppose again I I have no problem because I suppose as a public rep and whatever and I know the dangers of it like everybody else does but I would have no issue now whatsoever in stopping someone if I saw it because it's gone to that stage like before you think if there was a few people walking or whatever and your dog was there and he, he did his mess or whatever you're automatically embarrassed and you're going to pick it up but that's not the case anymore Patricia they're walking away and they basically don't give a hoot 
you know? Yeah, yeah. And then I got, I suppose you saw on the page as well, people were writing in and they were saying, oh, we've, we haven't enough bins, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I just felt, I've listened to that, that line for so many years about bins. The people that actually, I feel, leave their dog poo on the street are people that wouldn't use a bin anyway. Because you know they, they don't even have probably the, the, the bags with them. They because don't. I also noticed a lot of commentary from people saying, I bring my dog, my bags with me. I clean up after, after my dog. Um, and it's, so therefore, if, they, if there isn't a bin, you bring it home with you. Exactly. And like, that's why I said, and you know, I, I, I suppose I went on a bit of a rant in it because I felt so annoyed. And like, you know, again, just before the school closed, even I had parents on to me. So like, this isn't a new thing due to COVID-19 or anything like that. I had parents on to me that were walking their children to school. I had one mother who told me she actually had to bring her son home and change his, change his shoes and his pants because he had stepped in it. Yeah, oh, yeah. God. But it does seem to be, as you say, it was always there, but it does seem to be worse. And maybe it's because more of us are out walking and there are more dogs. Are we, are we just noticing it? It does seem to be worse since the pandemic. It does. It does, definitely. And, you know, it isn't, as I said at the beginning there, I've had people on to me and other councillors on to me from all over the county and they've said, and even out of the county, they've said they have the same issue. It, it seems to be massively worse at the moment. Now, there is um, a dog warden, but yeah. the dog warden then doesn't have really the laws or he doesn't have it in his hands to actually fine anybody. While he can make a presence, it's the litter warden that is the one that um, can, can fine. But they have to catch him then, Patricia. Yeah, you they know? have to be standing there as yes. the dog is doing. Yeah, and if somebody yes. spots there's a, a litter warden around, of course they're going to clean up after their dog. Of course, not, yeah. yeah. And then if you do, we just say you or me or anybody that spots somebody um, with the dog poon and you report it, yeah. you then have to have the proof that that was that dog that pooed in that area. The laws are very, very strange on this one. Yeah, and it, like, and that is the way to go is to find them. But as you say, that it, it, it isn't as simple. It isn't it's as simple not. as that. So it's just it's res, it's responsible pet ownership is what we need. We need of people course. to be responsible uh, for their dogs and bring their bags with them all the time. Yeah, and like if you even read, and I have friends that have, I just don't have a dog. I did years ago, but I just don't have a dog. But if you, if you, I have friends that have dogs, and I know the majority of people that I know that have dogs are very, very responsible. They treat them like children. They love their dogs, and they look after their dogs. And then you just have this small element who probably they still love their dogs and whatever, but they don't feel it's their responsibility to pick up their poo. They feel, oh, sure, it should be up to the council or it should be up to somebody else to do it. And that's the part, I suppose, that's maddening me. If you love your dog, you have a dog, you're responsible for the dog and his poo. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, okay. Well, well said. And hopefully somebody listening this morning might be feel a little bit ashamed about what they've done during the week when they took their, their beloved dog out for a walk. How are you surviving lockdown, Mary? I'm surviving. I'm surviving. I just said to John Paul there before I came on, um, I'm very lucky. We're very lucky here in Yall. I'm near the beach, you know, it's within my two kilometres. I have a garden, so I'm able to get out in that. You know, after watching that television programme, I suppose, last night, with people stuck in apartments and flats. It was dreadful, wasn't it? Dreadful my heart to see goes it. Out to them. Yeah. It yeah. Ge- genuinely does now. But I'm very lucky, Patricia. And, you know, look, 
mentally we're all finding it hard some days you have days where you're going oh god is it ever ending and then you have other days where you go come on now I'm kind of working from home and I'm able to get out and about and help if I can because we have a pass as public reps to get out if we if we're needed you know okay. That's their, I mean to say people still have their problems and issues because you have no council meetings or anything like that do you? No we no. have um, statutory business of our full council meetings twice a month and out of each party there's four yeah. allowed go and um, so they get their names and whatever before they go up there and they're able to raise what, like we say four independents four Fianna Fáil four Fianna Gael whatever and they're able to raise whatever issues have to be raised but it's only statutory it's no motions it's no anything like that at the moment and there's no municipal meetings so you yeah, were just kind of doing it from home. Very, basically. very strange times and I saw why we're talking about you all the Ironman event had to be cancelled but it'll, it'll go ahead next year it will go ahead next yeah. year to be bigger and better, Patricia. We'll just have to zoom in on the good things now. Yeah, and that's it. Think that's forward. it. That's yeah. it. And thankfully, the weather is good. And you are anyone who anyone who lives by the sea, I think, particularly blessed because yes. you've got you've got that lovely backdrop for in your back garden to go for a walk. Listen, mind yourself, stay safe, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you. You mind take yourself care, too, Patricia. Thank bye, you. Bye bye bye. That is y'all based Councillor Mary Lenehan Foley. Please, please, will you clean up? after your dogs your dog needs to get out for a walk you need to get out for a walk nobody's stopping you doing it but just clean up and bring the waste either home with you if there isn't a bin along the route or dis- but dispose of it responsibly as well 1850-333-103 John Paul and Sadie taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 Court today on C103 with Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September plan your future education see the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie We can make a difference to how our country comes through this. And we can make the biggest difference of all by saving lives. So many of the things that make us proud to be Irish are in temporary suspension, our sociability, our warmth, our close and affectionate ties. But I've never been prouder to be Irish. In uncertain times, I've never been so sure of what we are all doing. We can do this. We live in challenging times. Look out for each other and stay safe. Be responsible. Follow COVID-19 guidelines and stay with us. We'll update you with the latest advice and measures from official sources. We're online, on your phone, smart speaker and radio. C103. Now, one of the most common questions we received to the programme since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic is, do we need to wash or disinfect items from our shopping basket when we return home. With the very latest advice, I'm joined by Dr. Linda Gordon, who is Chief Specialist in Microbiology with Safe Food. Good morning to you, Linda. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you, you're welcome. Now, you say there is no need to sanitise food packaging, but were we not told that the virus can live on hard surfaces? Well, there have been some laboratory studies that have shown the virus surviving on hard surfaces you know, for up to a few days. And what we need to remember there is that they are starting off with a very high level of virus and then it will drop off considerably. So, you know, that's, you know, the the situation in terms of laboratory research. However, there's no evidence that this virus or previous coronaviruses such as SARS um, are transmitted through food packaging or through food. So the risk, there is agreement that the risk is low, is very low for for picking up the virus from food packaging. And we have to remember all of the hygiene measures that food companies have in place to, you know, to control any risks of any any kind of um, contamination. So hand washing is probably the best way to control that risk. 
So we would advise that you wash your hands before you leave the house, that you make use of whatever facilities that the supermarkets are providing for hand sanitising and also for sanitising the handle of your trolley. So it's those kind of surfaces that are very frequently touched that would be of more concern than food packaging. So something like the shopping trolley handle, as I mentioned, or door handles and things like that, that there's very high frequency of people touching those. Those are the kind of surfaces that we need to sanitise. And then when when you come home, then wash your hands immediately? Wash your hands as soon as you come home. And I think that's a good habit no matter what we've been doing. And I suppose shopping is, supermarket shopping is one of the only outings I suppose that most of us have at the moment so there's kind of a heightened anxiety maybe around it so wash your hands as soon as you come home then unpack and put away your shopping and especially remember things like perishable foods need to go in the fridge straight away so it wouldn't leave those sitting around even if you are choosing to to disinfect or sanitise so wash your hands straight away unpack and put away your shopping and then wash your hands again yeah, because I've heard of people and I know we've had some calls in about this uh, saying, oh, they're leaving their groceries in the boot of the car for a few hours. And I instantly say, what about perishable food items? Yeah, absolutely. So it, I certainly wouldn't advise that, you know, particularly for, for perishable foods. Um, and, you know, we believe it's not necessary. You know, the evidence doesn't support people having to disinfect or leave all their food in a separate room for a few days. I suppose my concern would be, I know for myself that, you know, the more things we're asked to do and steps we're asked to take, the more likely it is we'll forget one of them. So I know myself, if I had to think about disinfecting all my shopping once I brought it home, I'd very easily forget to wash my hands as soon as yeah, I came in or to avoid touching my face or something. So I think we really need to focus on the key behaviours and those are the ones that HSE have been, you know, banging on about from since the start. The start. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I think it's important to focus on those and get those ones right and that will control the, the risk. And the other one is the where to wear to wear or not to wear disposable gloves while out shopping. I've noticed in the supermarkets. I have to say I don't wear disposable gloves, but I'm neurotic about washing my hands, so I'm hoping I'm okay there. But I have noticed probably fifty percent of the people in the store are wearing disposable gloves. What's what's your view on that? Well, again, I think gloves can give you a false sense of security. You know, people sometimes feel, I've put on the gloves, therefore I'm immune to any contamination. But what you're doing with frequent hand washing is more effective than wearing gloves. You know, gloves are suitable in a controlled kind of environment, like in a hospital, a clinical setting, and in maybe a laboratory. And sometimes they're used in food, but they have to be changed very frequently. And, you you know, you have to maintain your good hand hygiene. It's very easy to forget what you've touched, you know, when you haven't, when you have that gloves kind of separating you, you know, you're more conscious of what you've touched when you've no gloves on you, I think. Um, so I, I don't recommend, and nor does the HSC recommend, that people wear gloves kind of routinely outside the home. Okay. There's very little benefit to them. OK, and a couple of people have contacted us, and I can see there's a similar question in now from Colm in, in Butterwind. He is cocooning, so his, shop is, his shopping is being uh, delivered. But he's worried if the person, someone in the shop packing his shopping or the person delivering it had the virus, uh, would he not be safe for disinfecting? Affecting all of his shopping just in case. Yeah, I understand people's concern about that. Um, but again, the risk from packaging is very low. I, you know, people are observing in the supermarkets very good hand hygiene and you could all even ask them, you know, what extra measures they are taking to make sure things are safe. Again, good hand hygiene, washing your hands before you handle it. 
making sure that you're not having any contact with the person delivering it. So maybe asking them to leave it at the door and then leave before you bring it in. And then washing your hands afterwards, excuse me, should be enough to control the risk. But I do understand and I just want to mention if people are using disinfectants and things like that, and we are all using those a bit more now, you know, even if it's just for door handles and things. And I would just mention that it's a good idea to check to read the instructions because some of those are only effective if you leave them on for a couple of minutes before wiping them off. So again, these are kind of powerful chemicals. So I would um, ask people or remind people to, to use them in accordance with the instructions and, you know, don't mix bleach with other chemicals and things like that. Okay. What's your view on the washing of reusable shopping bags? Well, reusable shopping bags, I wouldn't, I don't think it's necessary to wash or disinfect them after every trip to the supermarket. Again, there's very low risk. They're not a frequently handled surface. You know, they're not handled by other people in the supermarket. However, as as part of general good hygiene, it's a good idea to wash those occasionally. So if you have you know, fabric bags, you could put them in the washing machine on a 60 degree wash. But it is a good idea, not necessarily after every trip, but after every few weeks to to clean out and wash your uh, reusable shopping bags. You know, even just, you know, if, if, you, if you've been carrying raw meat or something in them, it's a good idea from a general hygiene point of view to not, do that. Not just during a pandemic, it's yeah, something exactly. we, we should be doing all the time. And we all, Linda, seem to be buying more food. Um, so the advice on food storage is really important, especially when it comes to what needs and doesn't need to be in the fridge. Yes, absolutely. So I think, you know, fridge space is kind of at a premium now and we are buying more food. And I suppose it was an increase at the start because people were concerned about shortages. And I think we've been reassured about that now. But still, everybody's eating at home. You're trying not to make too many trips to the supermarket. So, you know, we have bringing home a bigger shop. So again, keep the fridge space for perishable foods, for your dairy products and meat and things like that. You know, check use by dates when you're putting things away. And if you've got something, you know, that's going to be out of date in a few days um, and you're not going to use it, maybe then maybe put it in the freezer instead if it's suitable for freezing and always follow use by date. So those are the that's the date that will tell you up to that date the food is safe to eat, but it may not be safe after that. Best before dates are different and they're more of a guideline and you'll find those on canned and dried foods and things like that that have longer life. And they're really about the quality of the food. So if something is past its best before date, you know, it's probably, it's perfectly safe to eat. You know, the quality may deteriorate, but it is safe to do so. So don't don't throw away foods that are just past their best before date. Okay, take away, take away food deliveries. Do we have to be careful of the packaging a listener wants to know? Again, I um, you know, food companies are and, you know, restaurants and takeaways are observing good hand hygiene. You can ask them what measures they're taking. So it's about avoiding contact with the person who's delivering it, maybe trying to do contactless payments so you're not handling cash or, you know, card machines. So maybe payment over the phone. Then when you take wash your hands before you take the food from them, then when you bring it in, put out the food wash your hands again after you've got rid of the containers and that should be enough. Again, the risk is very low Again, from it's, that type it's, of surface. It's, yeah, it's, it's really all back to hands. the hand hygiene because I can see um, Anne says, hi Patricia, is there any problem with the post and letters, etc. Some people are nervous that the virus uh, could be on them um, and that's from Anne. And again, even if, God forbid it was, if you open a letter and then you wash your hands afterwards. Yes, absolutely. Again, there's no evidence of you know, transmission of virus through paper or anything like that. There, 
the um, studies that were done did look at cardboard and it didn't survive as well as car- on cardboard as it did on harder surfaces like plastic. Um, it's very unlikely and a very low risk that you would get anything from the post. But again, the good hand hygiene and just get rid of the envelope or the packaging straight away. Wash yeah, your hands. And keep and washing that the control hands. control any risk. Um, Anne wants to know if eggs are out of date, are they okay for cooking? Um, they possibly are if they're out of date by a day or two, you know, so um, eggs have a best before date on them rather than a use by date generally. So they might be okay. I wouldn't use them for something where they're not going to be fully cooked. Just, yeah, make sure that they're they're, they're, they're cooked. Okay, all right. Uh, we leave it there. Um, Linda, listen, thank you for that. And thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Good Thank morning you. to you. Bye-bye. That is Dr. Linda Gordon who joins us from Safe Food. In the next hour we'll be talking about formation of a new government and we'll be speaking with one of the rural TDs to see what would be their red line issues. Court today on C103. With Mallow College. Now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie Because the vast majority of people have heeded the advice of the experts, we've been able to interrupt the spread of the virus. But unfortunately, we have not stopped its spread. So today's message is that we cannot be complacent and we cannot lose focus. What we're doing is difficult, but it is making a difference. We need to persevere and we need to maintain our discipline and resolve. We live in challenging times. Look out for each other and stay safe. Be responsible. Follow COVID-19 guidelines and stay with us. We'll update you with the latest advice and measures from official sources. We're online, on your phone, smart speaker and radio. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We were talking with uh, Safe Food Ireland and just at the end a question came in but too late uh, to, book it, to put it to Dr Linda Anthony says when freezing bread as the best before date will be well gone when you take the bread out of the freezer should that bread be eaten on the day you take it out says Anthony Ugh, I certainly have frozen bread in the past and I've never eaten it on the day I take it out I mean if it's a full size pan for example it would be hard if, unless you've got a very large family to eat the entire contents on the day you take it out I mean I would take it out and almost deem it like to be fresh again because you obviously you've frozen it when it was uh, fresh. I know the advice on freezing bread is it'll stay in the freezer between three and six months. I didn't realise this until I did a little Google search there during news at uh, 11. The flavour actually begins to dull if you freeze bread after a month. I wasn't aware of that but when you take it out of the freezer you just need to thaw it out properly and all that at at room room temperature. But no I, I certainly have never made sure that all frozen bread when it's out and defrosted is eaten on the same day. We'll see if how other listeners feel on that if you are uh, regularly somebody who freezes your bread. 1850-333-103. And here's a really good piece of advice from somebody who works in, a, in fast food. Patricia, I'm a fast food worker in Mallow. Customers can be ever so difficult, particularly when it comes to changing their ways, insisting, for example, that they pay by cash and not using cards and also insisting on collecting food when we have every other alternative available to them. Also, ordering during peak times. What are peak times for fast food and for delivery of food? Fridays and Saturdays between 5 o'clock and 9 in the evening. Not considering to have a midweek treat to ease the weekends. It's so hard to social distance in work when we are very busy. Just asking people to consider please altering their routine. Yeah, and I certainly would have to put my hands up and 
and say I'm guilty of that if we're going for a takeaway on the weekend it would be on a Saturday I suppose it's sort of to try and make the weekend a little bit special and we're not going out for meals anymore nobody's going out for drinks anymore so if you're going to do something special they'll probably do it around Friday or Saturday night instead so that's a, an interesting thought coming in from a fast food worker that maybe we need to change our ways alter our routine a little bit thank you for that and stay safe in what are very challenging times uh, for people that are out particularly people out uh, keeping us fed as you are doing stay safe we spoke about dog fouling in the last hour with Councillor Mary Lenehan Foley speaking to us about what's going on in her own hometown of Yall even though she broadened it out and said it isn't, this isn't just a problem in Yall it's a problem that's happening all over the city and county dare I say all over the country Tim is also in Yall and he says on dog fouling in Yall Mary is perfectly correct. I've noticed it myself in the town. I went for a walk recently and it was like an obstacle course trying to avoid dog poo. People need to be responsible and I will have no hesitation, by the way, says Tim, in saying it to dog owners. Good on you. You've got to be very brave to do that. Well done to Mary, says Tim, for standing up and highlighting this uh, issue. And then a number of people have contacted us. Uh, Margaret has sent in photographs showing what the problem is like in Donnerell. I don't know if if I haven't got a copy of those whether they're going up on our Facebook page or not but a number of people have contacted us through Facebook and says dog poo dog poo on our footpaths dog owners letting their dogs off leads in public parks also another issue there needs to be a massive clampdown but unfortunately this has been an epidemic for years it isn't new there's no proper policing no proper fines and the dog warden is hamstrung and listening to Mary it isn't the dog warden that can hand out the fines it's the litter warden has responsibility for it but they've they've got to actually catch the dog in the act and then catch the, the owner it can be really really difficult Dahi to our Facebook page absolutely disgusting dog owners and then you have owners bringing their bags with them and then putting the full poo bags into hedges or on top of walls please just take it home says Dahi it should not be up to the council our people in tidy towns to have to clean it up they didn't tell people to go out and get a dog and Mick says this is a countrywide problem I live in Kildare and the dog dirt is everywhere on footpaths and even the grass verges if the owners do pick it up they drop the bags then into the hedgerows between dog poo and cyclists the footpaths are absolutely lethal and I had somebody yesterday a friend of mine that I was chatting to yesterday evening who was making the point that when she's out for walks what's really annoying her at the moment are the disposable gloves that we just spoke about in the last hour with Safe Food and we don't really need to be using them when we're going shopping but a lot of people just give them a bit of sense of security but it can give you a false sense of security be careful with that you're not picking virus up on the gloves but it's the people and how people are disposing of the gloves afterwards this friend of mine was saying when she's out and about she's noticed them everywhere people are just dispo- and they're plastic as well we're trying to do our bit for the environment here they're certainly not good for the environment so people please if you are going down the route of using disposable gloves you need to dispose of them correctly as well and Pat in Mallow has been on to say listening to the fact that people seem to be out and about more there's more cars on the road and people are out making what I don't know if they're unnecessary journeys or not but people seem to be out maybe going to the shops more than we should be doing Pat says, what's going to happen on the 12th of July when it comes to the Caramie Horse Fair? There's no committee. There's nobody organises Caramie 
it just happens every year. He says locals in Mallow and particularly people living in Bosford are very worried. We actually were only talking about this in the office uh, during the week, especially when it came to the no event with 5,000 people or more is allowed to take place. I mean, definitely more than 5,000 people turn up to Carame every year. I mean, impossible to police when it comes to social distancing. I really don't know. I mean, I'm assuming the Gardaí are going to try and get involved on that. We'll see if we can get on to the local Gardaí because I take it they're already planning because they, you're right, Pat is right. There isn't a committee, there isn't an organiser an organising committee that sits down and decides we'll hold Carame on the 12th of July. It just happened and the traders turn up and the horse traders uh, turn up. So yeah, maybe we'll get on to the Gardaí in Mallow and see have they a plan in place because they're going to have to have it in place weeks in advance to stop people moving in because it's the week leading up to the 12th that people will start arriving. So bear with us on that, Pat, and we'll see if we can get any kind of an update for you. Brian is in, in a Shannon. He said it's very clear to see that there are more cars on the road uh, now this week. Certainly more and more people are out walking. I think that's got to do with the fine weather though as well. The worry is that it will lead to a spike later in May, which will then bring a worrying summer for so many of us here in uh, Ireland. We'll be very worried Worried uh, about that. And somebody having a go at me. Hi, Patricia. Just regards to your pandemic analysis at the top of the programme, you dwelt on you you dwelled on everything negative. Why didn't you mention the nine thousand people who'd fully recovered? Well, actually, if you tuned in yesterday, I did mention. I said it was a really good news story. I did mention the fact that nine thousand people in this country have fully rec- recovered, and I saw that as a fantastic, great news story. Today's analysis to do with was to do with what was announced yesterday, and unfortunately, what was announced yesterday are people taking their eye off the ball and becoming more complacent and this person who doesn't put a name on their WhatsApp also says uh, there may be extra traffic because people must go for a drive and uh, not leave their car just to break the boredom of being isolated and help with their mental uh, health. Yeah and I I worry about people and their mental health but we're not allowed with the current restrictions we we, the Gardaí talking to us yesterday about that if you're stopped at a checkpoint you can't say to a Gardaí oh I've gone for I'm 20 kilometres away from my home. I've come from a drive because I want to break the boredom of being uh, isolated. We're only allowed outside of our homes for two kilometres. You can get out and walk for the two kilometres. Absolutely. You can drive beyond the two kilometres if you don't have shops within the two kilometres. But you're not allowed to go out for a leisurely Sunday drive. And the danger and the worry is if you decide to do that and then your neighbours see you go no they're off for a drive sure we'll go for a drive as well and then everyone starts to do it and then before we know it we're back to square one with this complacency that we were talking about and which the health experts and the government and the ministers and the Taoiseach were all worried about and we'll get a second wave of coronavirus and then we'll be talking about a very different story here on the programme. Thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. We mentioned nursing homes uh, in the last hour. A texter says can't get through to you on the phone. Listen our apologies even with both John Paul and Sadie working on the phones. They're doing the very best to we still at times will get a the spike in cause and it's, it's impossible to get to all of them so our, our apologies on that but if you can't get through on the phones you can text or WhatsApp us which is what this person has done on nursing homes and what's happening in nursing homes this listener says if staff in nursing homes were following proper 
hygiene protocol, this would never have happened. Coronavirus would never have come in to nursing homes. There are five points of hand hygiene. Why is the winter vomiting bug so prevalent in nursing homes? It's all down to poor hygiene adherence. How was the government to know this? HICWA says this texter implement standards. There's a mad drive when the HICWA inspectors arrive. White cloths are put out for the tea, but it's back to the old ways when they're barely gone out the drive. Nursing homes need excellent managers on the ground, but owners won't pay for this by and large. Uh, you can't say that about all nursing homes that would be with some uh, nursing homes and yeah absolutely when HICWA inspectors arrive and I think that's in all settings everyone's going to be on their best behaviour but don't forget HICWA do do inspections that that care homes and nursing homes are not notified uh, about they arrive on spec of which I think all those inspections should be on spec I don't think any warning should be given I mean if you're running a nursing home or a residential unit properly it shouldn't matter what day of the week or who's due in if somebody comes to inspect everything should be as it is expected to be with all of the proper hygiene adherence put in place thank you for your text Hi, oh, this is Dexter said. This is from Dennis. Thanks, Dennis, for this. Dennis says, "I never saw Eamon Ryan, leader of the Green Party, as a sex symbol before, but the prospect of Deputy Michael Healy Ray leaving the country if Eamon Ryan becomes Taoiseach has really elevated Eamon Ryan in my my mind to the level of Johnny Logan rock star self." God status, says Dennis. What Dennis is talking about is the independent TD, Michael Healy Ray, uh, actually said, I think it was yesterday, he said he would consider what country to live in if the Green Party leader, Eamon Ryan, became uh, Taoiseach. And we know that Leo Varadkar and Micheál Martin are in discussions about forming a new government and we know that they're holding negotiations with the Green Party being led by uh, Eamon Ryan. But Deputy Michael Healy Ray, when he was asked about this, said he certainly would not like to see Eamon Ryan as Taoiseach and he actually went so far as to say he would consider leaving Ireland and some of the reasons that he gave for not wanting the Green Party to be in government. He said when you consider uh, the Green Party um, he said this was the man who wanted everyone to go home and plant seeds on south facing windows he wants to introduce bears to Ireland and he wants all of us to go to do away with our motor cars and to carpool 10 cars for every 400 people in our community so the suggestions that have been mentioned by the Green Party Michael Healy Ray said he would leave the country. And Dennis, obviously not a fan of Michael Healy Ray. And Marion says, hi Patricia, and I don't know if this is how much this is affecting other people. And this is to do with home helps have been taken away from community settings and they're instead being sent in to work in uh, nursing homes. And it's suiting a number of people not to have home helps calling because many older people are cocooning and family members are helping them out and they don't want anybody coming into the home so they don't want the home helps coming in but when the pandemic is gone obviously they want their home helps to come back so it has suited some but obviously it's not suiting everyone there are people out there who are really really missing their home helps uh, Marion said I had a home help for my elderly aunt who suffers with uh, dementia 
the home help was taken away because we were told the home help is needed to work in a care home. I happened to meet the home help yesterday and she hasn't gone anywhere yet. She's supposed to do a course online for one hour today on PPE equipment and that's obviously how to don and doff and that was a causing how to put it on and how to take it off. There are elderly people in the community who are neglected because the people in charge of care homes are not switched on. I could rant on and on about it and uh, thanking you and that is from Marion and I don't know if there, if there are any home helps listening to us who have been taken out of the community are all of them gone into care home settings I wasn't aware of people and I don't know how long Marion's aunt has been without her home help but that really surprises me and disappoints me to hear that a home help was taken away from an elderly lady with dementia uh, you would have assumed that she would stop the they would stop the workers home help and would go straight away then pick up the hours by going to work uh, in the in, in a local nursing home and I can see and we spoke about how nursing homes are short of staff but it's very disappointing if that's happening and that is widespread if anybody has a similar story to tell us we welcome your thoughts 1850 103 and Michael in Castletown Bear says Patricia Hyde the vast majority of people today will tell you that the world has gone out of control is that the coronavirus is the coronavirus what will bring us back to our senses and stop what is happening with us as a society stop us from regressing instead of evolving constantly ruining everything we touch the way we treat our planet how we treat each other the abuses, the violence towards one another, wars, interpersonal conflicts and prejudice, social envy, greed, hypocrisy, selfishness. The little time we dedicate to ourselves and our family and our children, our superficiality, the superfluous things to the detriment of the essential ones. I do think this pandemic is going to get us all thinking and you suddenly, things that even last month before this even all well, six weeks ago before we even started to really worry about coronavirus and COVID-19. Things we worried about then seem so silly, don't they? When you look at what's going on in the world at the moment. So well put, Michael. Thank you for that. 1850-333-103. Sadie and John Paul, taking your calls. C103 Jobs. We have a bicycle mechanic and a sales advisor wanted. It's for sale since bicycle shop. It's in Blarney Street in Cork. There's also a part-time position available. Security staff are wanted for crowd management and social distancing across Aldi stores in Bandon, Cove, McCroom and indeed other parts of Cork. Please note the positions are open to males and females you need to be over 18 with a valid PSA static licence. And two positions are available at, at, to join an existing agri-sales team in the North Cork area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie Every couple has a story of how they met. My mum met my dad at school uh, in detention. My best friend met his wife at a club through a friend of a friend. And my boss met her fiancé after they got chatting online. 
Find someone to share your story with at c103dating.ie. 24% of Irish people have tried online dating and one in five relationships begin there. At c103dating.ie, we have genuine nice people that would like to meet you. Begin your story today by registering for free at c103dating.ie. We spoke yesterday with the president of the Sinn Féin party, Mary Lou MacDonald, who is very disappointed that the two main parties, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, who are trying to form the next government, are not interested in having her party involved in the formation. One group who are being considered is the Rural Independent TDs, of which one of them is uh, West Corkdall Deputy Michael Collins, who joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you are a welcome. Now, who have you met with so far and how are your talks gone so far? Yeah, I suppose, you know, uh, on the run-up to the general election, when the question was raised, would we go into government with uh, any party or group or city, uh, we were always open to discussions. Obviously, the, the issues that have concerned to rural Ireland would always be at the forefront. But uh, since uh, the formation, or since, the, sorry, the, the general election, uh, we met with Sinn Féin uh, twice. We met with Fianna Fáil uh, twice, including Michal Martin himself, at one of those meetings, and then the final meeting was uh, there last Tuesday night in Dublin with Derek Leary uh, of Fianna Fáil and Pascal Minister Pascal Donoghue of Fine Gael. And what have you outlined? What have you looked for? I think this was a very frank meeting uh, and to the point, obviously meetings are difficult at this present time, one-to-one meetings and you know, it's had to take place in the Egg House where there's a large uh, room and there was the distancing apart or whatever and uh, we, we wanted to get uh, the reality of the situation like uh, are we being called or are we wanted basically is what we asked them and that, was, that was straight from the board go uh, quite frank and open and did, uh, did you get a sense that they're, they're, they're serious and not just going through the motions with you prior to that meeting and you got a sense that they're only just going to the, through the motions with us um, it's becoming very clear from a lot of media um, uh, sound bites and other from, from Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, that they're very interested in getting a party on board, very interested in getting a party board. At that meeting, they made it very clear that they would, um, uh, they do want a third party, but they want independence in, involved as well. The issue here is, of course, that their policy document that they've sent out to the parties hasn't been responded to yet by any of the parties either. Uh, some have come back for a little more clarity, but they haven't uh, accepted whether they're interested in going to government or not. You know, there's different rumours, yes, but they have. They, we asked them up to date. Have they the third party in place? Are is there any? Are they anywhere near that? And they're not. So, if that's the case, it, it could fall back to independence. But we didn't want to be in a situation where it fell back to us when all else had failed. It's either you want us or you don't want us, and you believe in what we believe in, or walk towards what we believe in, or you don't. And in fairness, that that came from them as well. Because I mean, Pascal Donoghue said I was involved in the negotiations four years ago and there was obviously we're all in a total different political spectrum right now and he says that there was you weren't interested in joining us at the time and what's the difference now in a, in a, in a worse off situation uh, joining up in government but again the, the, the point we made was the issues of concern to us in rural Ireland were not we were strong at, at, at mindset at that time they were not going to be addressed and we stayed in negotiations and they certainly was one of those up until maybe 45 minutes before the formation of the government, they had still been asking us to come on board and we weren't willing to do that at this time. And if we, we said the same again this time, our issues of concern were justified to us over the last number of years. The cuts, the serious cuts were continued in rural Ireland and if these issues are not going to be addressed in some way going forward, we wouldn't be uh, going to any government with any other political parties. And we made it very clear to them that we'd be a very strong opposition 
uh, going forward, which is healthy in Irish democracy, in Irish political democracy also, Patricia. Can you see yourself in government if the Greens are involved? Um, being very honest, we find it very difficult. But obviously, I, th- I think to be very unfair for me to say absolutely not. Um, we'd have to sit down and, 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 and go through because it looks to me as if they're going to be in government, it's going to come at a very, very high price. And that's the high price. The unfortunate, the unfortunate of it is that the people of rural Ireland will be hit most. We have the carbon tax. They're talking about a massive increase between here and 2030. That's going to hit rural Ireland. So that's a very, very serious issue that we need to discuss. So therefore, would you not be better off in government in the hope that you could fight them rather than be on the opposition benches where you won't be able to do much? Well, you know, I suppose we were able to do quite a lot in the opposition uh, benches in the last number of years. I wouldn't like to be a passenger in government, uh, a backbencher, not able to put uh, fight our corner for the people that uh, we represent. I mean, there has to be an understanding that that the massive carbon tax is going to affect the people who will learn. And I made it very clear to Minister Donu and to Derek Leary at that meeting, I'm not going to be bringing forward local issues, national issues. We do need a senior minister. I made that clear at the table for fisheries. And no, no, I said no diluting of that issue. There's pa- trawlers at the moment in show rescue fishermen, parked up boats worth millions of euros, they're going bust. There's no instinctive and no package at the moment. We do need a standalone minister for, far, uh, for agriculture. Again, a very serious situation we have where uh, dry stock farmers, softer farmers are in dire, dire situation as well as the dairy sector is, is in the worry sector. The are they, are they your two red line issues? There's one other red line issue and I made that as the only red local issue that I raised because the farming and the fishing are a national issue. They're not, they're not local issue. They're, they're national as well. It's the Bantry General Hospital. I made that very clear. They were, and they, they appreciated that, that I wasn't Paris, going to be Paris pump politics. But what, what about the other rural TDs that went in with you? I mean, there is that fear that if, if all the rural TDs go in with a set of demands for their constituency, and that is understandable because you want to look after your constituents. They're the ones that voted you in. They're the ones that will vote you in, in a, a, again in the future. So what would be good for the local people? But, you know, we've, you've said it yourself, parish pump politics, not great for the overall economy. No, but there's a there's an air of realisticness at the, at this present time that you know if if if, if people are going in there if, if political groups or political parties are going in there with a, their own a massive agenda of their own about their own local community it's not going to work it's not going to it can't be delivered money isn't going to be there going forward we are going through a drastic and a dramatic change of circumstances in this country and we have to be understanding of that and that's why I broke down the only local issue being the Bantry General Hospital. That they, I would get a cast iron guarantee if I was to go into government that the services would be further enhanced and not a reduction of services. But other TDs were very realistic. I mean, we looked at we looked at some of the the the, the environmental uh, proposals that they have, and they're they're very much into pushing people to cycle bikes. And the point was made to them: cycle bikes is beautiful in Cork City, and it's beautiful in Galway City, and it's beautiful. And we might be able to get around in that situation, but certainly this doesn't work. In a situation in, 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 in places like West Cork, we can't. You can't cycle when you want to do your shopping from Kilbert and Bandon. Yeah, try, try asking somebody. Here. Yeah, try asking somebody in Castletown there to, to cycle into Cork because they've an appointment at CUH. It doesn't yeah, work. yeah. But do you, you know, do you accept that going into government and whoever goes into government will be taking the hard road, especially you know post the pandemic? It definitely will happen. Yeah. And, and 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 the stark reality of of, of the crisis that we're in. Was was spelt out by Pascal O'Donnell, and no better person to do that because he's minister for finance, and the, 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 it's a, it's a dire reading. But it can things can turn around and changes can be made. And 
you know, we need a little bit more focus on rural issues. We brought up to them about the situation where people can work at home if they had a better broadband service. We know the investment on broadband and mobile phone coverage has been more and based in around the cities. Bring it back out to the rural communities so people can work at home. They can be more change and this is good for the environment if nothing else um, there's a lot of issues that can be dealt with haven't been dealt with um, I made it very clear myself the reasons I didn't go into government four years ago because the issues that I brought up were not local they were simplistic they could have been worked on and no one seemed to be interested and we were proven right four years later I said we can stand here and I told Pascal Dunno I can't, you can't in the current climate, but please sit into my car as soon as this is over and I'll take you to West Cork for one day and I'll show you exactly what happened. Towns and villages decimated with decisions that were anti-rural that could have been slight tweaks and little differences made that could have made such a huge difference to the towns and villages of rural Ireland. And now, you know, the, the unfortunate the closures are one after another and going forward, my worry is if there is no focus on rural issues going forward, we're going to be in the very same situation. And I won't okay. support any government or any political party if that focus is 100% back on rural Ireland where we can maybe be able to survive. We're dependent on agriculture. Where is that coming from? Today, in these crisis times, from agriculture. And how many times is agriculture being kicked and kicked around the bottom side of that dog and not supported over the last four years? No, we're totally dependent on going forward. So there's many more things, Patricia, like that that need okay. to be Okay, and someone, and someone is just making the... Uh, point because it, it came from the Green Party it's the West Cork list is making the point it came from the Green Party that we'd all be carpooling if we lived in rural areas and that villages would have what was it 10 cars between 400 people or whatever it was someone said I'm just wondering how would carpooling work uh, with the current uh, coronavirus and people with social distancing uh, and all of that by the way what do you make of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael not having any discussions at all with uh, Sinn Féin. I mean, I've been reading a piece in the paper today, I just don't know, I think it was the Irish, the Irish Independent, uh, where some councillors actually in Micheál Martin's own, here in, here in Cork, um, are saying that they should be having government formation talks with uh, Sinn Féin. Um, what 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 is your in, in, interpretation and feeling on it? Because we'd Mary Lou Macdonald yesterday, who basically you know they've been pushed aside; they're not being spoken to. She hasn't even seen the policy documents that Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael have put, have put together. Is is that right or wrong of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael? Totally wrong. Uh, I think in, in these times everybody should be around the table and 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 see what. The, I mean, look, we could have said the same thing. We could have said to Sinn Féin, we're not going to meet with you. Now. Why would we do that? The will of the people was quite clear who they wanted and what the change they wanted. And anybody that's thinking that they wanted some other type of change are completely, completely uh, going the wrong direction. You look at, they'll sit down, we'll say, with the Green Party, and they're entitled to sit down with the Green Party. The Green Party elected no rural TD, to the best of my knowledge, in this country. So that sends a very clear message that that wasn't the will of the rural people of rural Ireland. Yes, they should have sat down with Mary Lou. They may still have to sit down with Mary Lou. Uh, Mary Lou was under uh, false idea herself that she'd set up a government initially. Common sense was known the the numbers didn't crack up uh, straight from the word go, but she did initiate uh, some discussions, well, some of her party members did, uh, some discussions, but certainly Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael should have sat down, regardless if they didn't agree, the same with us, sit down around the table and then trash out to see, can they work together going forward for the greater good of the country? They're saying that we need to work together, we need in this crisis time to make sure that we can, but we certainly, they can, they're, they're then saying, well, I won't talk to this person, I will talk to that person, it ain't good enough. Long ago, going on in this country that Fine Gael wouldn't talk of Fianna Fáil I for the last 10 years telling people there's no difference between the two of them and I've been proven right they're, they're ready to join together now and go forward 
Okay, and somebody says, West Cork listener says, could you please ask Michael Collins, does he still have confidence in Minister Simon Harris or would he still be putting down a motion of no confidence to have him removed? You've got to be impressed with the way Simon Harris is handling the coronavirus. In the coronavirus, since it's took the country, both Leo Varadka and, and, and Simon Harris have, have done, uh, in fairness, the best that could be done um, in, the, in the circumstances. And I won't take that away from anybody, and I praise them in the doll openly. But um, the issues that I raised, the reasons why I called for a vote of no confidence was quite simple and quite clear. His inability to, to deliver. Uh, the nurses were out on strike uh, not so many months ago. He didn't support them. Now we're all supporting the nurses because we know the value of them. The Children's Hospital has ruined millions and millions and millions over budget and nobody seems to care and nobody's responsible. There was a home care packages, the situation which we brought up at the meeting the last day, home care packages not delivered. Elderly people forced into nursing homes, forced into community hospitals when they could be cared for at home. He didn't deliver and unfortunately, it was a, a whole list of, of, of issues he didn't deliver. And it wasn't, um, uh, there was other votes in our conference. My vote in our conference was the one that uh, triggered a general election. And we were going to have a general election in here. They weren't playing games. Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael between the two of them, figuring out which, one the, which was the right time. And you know what, we just pulled the plug on that, that game play. It, it came, and, and it came, it came earlier. Um, James and Bantry reckons this, there, there should be a national government. He's back to that um, argument. Uh, and somebody else is saying, do you think we'll see another general election? Nobody no, I, wants another general election and we certainly couldn't wants, have one during a pandemic. Uh, certainly, it can't be at, at, at this stage but uh, I still think some of the negotiations are being carried out very, very, very tedious and slow and you'd wonder is there any major, is there a political party there looking to see can they get gain from this pandemic so that they, they might be able to hold this up long enough to see uh, would it trigger a general election when it is over. Uh, that's maybe some people's theory going on behind our back. The bottom line is I'd like to see a five-year government, a stable, strong government, yes, but you also need a stable, strong opposition. Um, whether we're part of that government or part of the opposition is to be seen in the days ahead. What we are now going to do is we have a, um, we're putting together our, um, our, a document, basically, that's going to be sent to the main political parties at the first of the week, outlining our issues that need to be addressed if we're to be in government, and then we'll know whether we, we some of these issues, obviously we're not going to get everything we want or they're not going to get everything they want. Can these issues be bridged and can we be brought on board or not? Okay. Some of the comments in Heidi says, Hi Patricia, who wants the Greens in power? Do they really think this country has so much carbon emissions when we are just so small compared to countries like the US, China and India? If they're that concerned about carbon emissions, let them go to those countries and see how far they get. Michael Collins is so correct on everything he has said on the issues today. Meg says, Michael, it will be a dictatorship if they don't talk to Sinn Féin. That's Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. And if we, Anthony says, if we hit a doll full of Michael Collins's, it will be a fairer country. Dublin will always get the bigger bite of the cake and with the same old faces back in power. It's undemographic in my view, says uh, Anthony. Nothing is changed. We voted for change. Where is the change? And there's a lot of people saying that what they voted for was very different to what it looks like we're going to get in a, in a new government. All right, okay. Uh, there's a lot more talking to happen. Happen, I think, before we, the gov- government is formed. Uh, but Michael, in the meantime, how is um, isol- self isolating and lockdown and all of that? How is how are you co- how are you coping with it? It's it, you know working from at home. There's a we've had a, in, we're inundated with queries. The staff and myself 
you know, especially COVID-19 kind of queries. I can hear the dog in the background. You see the dog, the yeah. dog can also tune in uh, yeah. at home, which you can't <laughs> tune in in Dalairn. But the, it's, a, it's a changed world, you know. I've been in Dublin twice this week. I didn't stay. I don't want to stay in Dublin. I come back and go back up again. Uh, but even the atmosphere in, in Dublin is so cold and so frosty, even beautiful weather doesn't even clear it up. But in fairness, the people down here in Coxwell, they've been very, very careful. They've been managing this to perfection, you know, to the best of their ability. It's not easy. It's terrible, uh, difficult for people over 70 that are, are staying at home. I'm talking to people that are inside in their homes for nearly three weeks now, and it's 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 difficult for them. But I hope that things will lift, but people will have to be so, so careful when they lift that they, you know, there's a strong guideline going forward and a strong focus on staying that little distance apart. But a little bit of a lift to let people over 70 at least go for a walk and things like that is is, is an essential. Uh, and as well, as well as that, a lot of businesses are very concerned like farmers you know that need to pour concrete so that they can put in silage pits they can't do that their silage season is starting and we're getting some clearance now that that might be allowable but like there's a desperate situation out there and you know we're trying to do the best we can from on the political scene but we've been absolutely inundated we're bursting with, with issues to, to be dealt with uh, in the last number of weeks and you know just we're trying to keep advise people to keep safe there was a lovely uh, grant aid sent out by the Irish Red Cross in the ejection where they were giving 500 euros to well up to 500 euros to, for elderly people Can I just say that's the hardship fund and, I've, and mm-hmm. I meant to mention this at the top of the programme today is the last day to apply for that you have until 5 o'clock this evening ejection were on to us and can we emphasise it is a hard Hardship fund. It's only for people who really need it. It isn't because I think that message went out that it was a grant, and everyone thought that they were all, everyone over seventy is entitled to it, and they really are working hard to make sure that the people that need, need genuinely need to get it. But it's five o'clock today is the closure. It is, yeah, it is. And that was bad hit from the 30s because it was on the application form that it, it was open up until the end of August. And <clears throat> I think a lot of people were relaxed about it, and all of a sudden there was a, a panic to get it out because people. Do you know, I, I asked the teacher yesterday, would he maybe consider intervening and giving some state aid uh, to top up this? Because a lot of people have applications sent in that it do need genuine, genuine reasons. Yeah, and, yeah. And unfortunately, just bringing the state ahead has, has cut him off off guard. And it was a nice to a lot of them. I think they, to the, you know, they're at home and they're saying, is there any little extra convenience they could have? Some of them would like to have had a tablet of some sort, of, or a, maybe some kind of a electronic gadget that they could um, FaceTime. Family, yeah, yeah, with yeah. Our family, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was very important. Then yeah. it was a great, it was a great idea. But it was always going to be over. So oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, we've got to leave it there. Listen, Michael, thank, thank you for that. Stay safe, and we'll talk again. Thank Thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Cork Southwest Dold, Independent Doll Deputy Michael Collins. Cork today on C one hundred three with Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. For C103 photos, videos and more, follow us on Instagram and get a good look at what's going on across Cork. Search Instagram for at C103 Cork. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 Now the Cork Senior Hurling Team are using their spare time by going on a solo run for Marymount Hospice. Robbie O'Flynn from Aaron's Oak own one of the uh, Cork Hurling Team uh, joins me uh, this morning. Good morning to you Robbie. I'm very well. It's a 42-hour solo run, which I believe kicks off tomorrow morning at 6am. Can you just explain what the plan is over the weekend? Yeah, so it's going to kick off tomorrow, obviously, at 6am. I'm actually going to start off the run because I'll have to be putting up all the videos of the lads. So um, it starts at 6am. 
and um, it'll continue for it's actually going to continue now for 48 hours because there's a few last minute fellas <laughs> build up the captains to do it so we're, uh, we're going to video all the lads doing it and um, it'll be up on the Instagram page and uh, people can follow us and stuff like that yeah. So you've got 48 hurlers we actually have we've, we've, what we have is we probably have 30 or 32 hurlers and then we have backroom staff okay um, one or two masseuses in there, like stacked people. We've everything. Everyone's involved, so it's great. So each person at the top of the hour goes off on the solo run, is it? That's what happens, yeah. So, um, yeah, like, I'll start now at um, 6 a.m. and I'll, I'll do it for an hour and I'll kind of, what we're going to do is video through a kind of a hyperlapse. So it'll be sped up so people can just view it through their stories on Instagram. Excellent. And, uh, yeah, and then when I finish, I'll just kind of, Send a little video of um, me talking, saying I finished the run and whatever, and uh, I'll pass it on to the next little and so on. And then seven a.m. the next guy goes off. And, yeah, exactly. And the the run is done where? Uh, in the back garden. Yeah. Oh. So, <laughs> so we're going to be running around the circles, some fillers for a good while. But uh, no, just so we just have to kind of stick to the two km radius and uh, yeah, kind of abide to those kind of guidelines. So we just said the best thing to do would be just going to the back garden. So everyone has to do it in their own back gardens? <laughs> yeah, basically everyone. There might be one or two management right there going for a walk in the local park or something, but uh, yeah, that's about it. That's everyone a great idea. It's a, It really is a terrific uh, idea. Now, how did you work out who's going to be running at 2am in the morning and 3am in the morning? How did yeah, you? Yeah, I, I actually did it there last night. I, um, I was saying what I was kind of, I gave everyone a number, 1 to 42, 1 to 48, and uh I just randomised and each one who came up uh, was getting the six so it'd be seven AM, eight AM and whatever number came up just just happened to be and like some fellas got unlucky, right? But uh yeah, they're, they're, we had no complaints. Well done. Well done, because it's the yeah. graveyard shifts are going to be the tough ones. Exactly, yeah. For, 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 for a lot of them. As you say, we, people can follow us over the yeah. weekend on, on Instagram. Yeah, on Instagram. So the page is corkhurling.merrymount. Yeah, so... And of course, just, yeah. a terrific cause, Marymount Hospice. Yeah, yeah, obviously everyone, everyone knows how the good work they do, like, so... It's just good that we can kind of Cork hurlers can transfer the support from like pitch kind of onto this kind of scene. So yeah, we're just happy to do it, and it's going well so far. And of course, we need to remember, like, and it's not just Marymount. This is the same for everybody. All their fundraising has been cancelled for the foreseeable exactly, future. Yeah. So we need yeah. to get a bit imaginative when it comes to fundraising. So how can people donate to Marymount for what you're doing? So there's a GoFundMe page. Uh, the link can be found on the actual Marymount website itself or it can be found on the Instagram page so you just click the link and it's just easy to donate yeah okay, okay well done well done do you expect to play any hurling this season? Uh, I'm not clear to be honest we're all, we're all in the dark and uh, yeah I don't know at this stage now it's kind of it's hard to say but um, yeah, yeah you know it's kind of more important things at the moment. So like, that's it. That's it. But do you? Do, but do you have? Yeah. Do you have to keep up your training just in case? Yeah. Yeah. yeah everyone. Everyone will kind of want to keep up their training anyway. It's you know it's kind of a kind of a lifestyle thing at this stage. So like everyone just kind of trains trains away and does their own thing, and the management are helping us out with some programs and stuff. So yeah, it's fine. Everyone's stepping away. Okay. Okay. And you're are you you're still a student? Are you in UCC? <laughs> yeah. I, I finished up the 
this there actually. Yeah. Okay, so you're but you're at, you, obviously college courses are all done. So you're how's lockdown going for you? Uh, it's fine. Yeah, there uh, again with the like I'm just trying to keep busy with the hurling and stuff like that. And so I have my brother in a learning with and do other things. So like you're just. Yeah, it's not too badly. And so this is good to keep you focused for a while and organising this. Listen, it's a a brilliant idea. We wish everyone the best of luck with it. The solo run across this weekend for Marymount Hospice. And I'll get you on Paul to put a link to your fundraising page up on our social media as well for you. Listen, Robbie, the best of luck with it. Thanks very much. For Thanks that. for joining us. Uh, bye bye. That bye. is uh, Robbie O'Flynn, one of the core curling team. Thank you to Bernie who's contacted us. She is currently in a nursing home and she rang to say she had a COVID-19 test done yesterday because they're testing all staff and residents in nursing homes. And she rang to say that the test was very easy and for people not to be afraid of it in case anybody has to go for a COVID-19 test. Bernie says there wasn't a bother on it at all and it was very easy. Stay healthy and stay safe, Bernie. And we hope you get a, a great result back from your COVID-19 test. Oh, and by the way, just on COVID-19 and if anyone's following Donald Trump at night on his press conferences, the makers of Dettol have been forced to issue a statement informing people that under no circumstances uh, should Dettol or any disinfectant product be administered into the human body. And that was after Donald Trump yesterday saying that Dettol... Um, could be injected into people and people could or he, we could look at people taking it so please don't be in any way um, taking debt on it is not for human consumption 1850 333 103 a break and news at 12 midday Court today on C103 with Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September plan your future education see the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie for the best weekend sports coverage in Cork, it's got to be C103. I'll bring you updates on cross-channel soccer racing and anything else that happens in the world of sports. Rory Burke kicks off your weekend with a comprehensive Saturday sports preview from 11am. Mark Malone keeps the ball rolling with Cork Sports Saturday from 2. Then Cork Sports Sunday completes your weekend between 2 and 7pm with Brosnan Boylan Golden. On the ball for home, car and commercial insurance Get local peace of mind with bbg.ie. Every puck, every kick, every score, every weekend. Let me tell you what's happening sporting wise this weekend here on C103. For sport in Cork, it's got to be C103. Follow C103 on Facebook. Join us today and stay up to date with everything happening across Cork. Simply search Facebook for C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Can I give a mention to local papers, please? Because certainly since this pandemic has begun, we're encouraging people to buy newspapers, especially local uh, papers. If you're going out and about doing some shopping today or tomorrow you might consider picking up a local paper a paper in your area and we have to hand some of the stories that are in some of our local papers. The Corkman for example, they're leading with a good news story which is Costell reopening a sign of hope in these testing times. They say North Cork received welcome news on the jobs front this week with confirmation that Costell has reopened its Mallow plant and that's four weeks after they temporarily laid off the 350 staff due to the COVID-19 testing. So that's the front page of the Cork 
workmen while the Southern Star are leading with more staff have been drafted into the Clan Hospital and that was after those very sad uh, Covid deaths and they also have a front page story of an eerie decline in domestic violence victims seeking help and it's uh, a story about Maria Mulholland saying that the victims of violence still have options and that message is so important to get through to uh, people and the Southern Star have a lovely story inside then on the white-tailed eagles they're landing huge audience numbers on a live webcam and you can check it out it's uh, a Glengariff webcam which is showing the white-tailed uh, eagles and uh, there's a picture of them the, the little chicks being uh, fed in the nest it's a lovely lovely story the Avondue their lead story is the No Indie for 2020, along with so many other cancellations um, this year. Um, but they are also leading with the story of Formoy Hospital staff to wear the face masks after policy change. That was a story we had on the programme uh, this week. The Mallow Star, they're leading with the Arts Festival. It's been cancelled in Mallow. And a lovely story that John Paul says they featured when I was off the programme last week when I was on my holidays. This is a great story from the Mallow-based business Munster Labels. They have produced half a million labels thanking all of the healthcare workers in the country and they're providing them free of charge to any company or group to put on their products or to put on their clothing which is a lovely, lovely story. And the Vale Star have the Tidy Towns has been cancelled for 2020. People very disappointed with that. But they also have the Bishop of Limerick who we mentioned during the week because of course he was the first out to cancel all communities and confirmations in the Diocese of Limerick. But he's asking the class who would have been sitting their confirmation and those that would have been going forward for First Holy Communion to write to him and to send him in drawings and that he will write back. So any young person in the Diocese of Limerick who wants to write to a bishop, uh, Bishop Brendan Leahy, please do. And there's also one great story inside in the Vale Star, one of those throwbacks and memories down memory lane. And it's a great picture of the American ambassador Jean Kennedy Smith. Uh, she's joined local children as she was looking out over the half door of Carney's Thatch Cottage in Galbally. And of course, the Irish American ambassador Jean uh, Carney was in Galbally and it was to mark Galbally's win in the 1994 National Tidy Towns competition. And uh, that's a kind of coincidence when we've had the Tidy Towns competition. It's got to be cancelled, I think, for the first time. I don't know if it's ever been uh, cancelled before. Just some of the stories contained in our local newspapers this week. Please, please consider picking up a um, paper and a local paper if you're out doing your shopping this weekend. Okay, some of your calls coming in to us. Vincent in Newmarket says we never looked or defined what was coming down the line The I, this is still coronavirus the IRFU cancelled the Italian match to prevent supporters from Italy coming to Ireland but what happened the supporters still travelled because they had their flights and their hotels uh, booked they did a lot of uh, damage and while I think our government are doing a good job give credit where credit is due I do think they should have acted sooner to stop flights coming into this country and to check who was actually coming in actually there has been a change on that, people arriving into the state into the state now are going to be asked to make sure that they self isolate, and it's not just going to be hand them a piece of paper and leave them off. All passengers getting off planes will have to fill in a form stating where they're staying. Um, 
and that'll be checked and it it's more than just talking to the person. They're going to follow up and make sure that people are strictly sticking to self-isolation for 14 days when they come into this uh, country. That I'm assuming, if it hasn't already started, is due to start at all of our ports and uh, airports. We've uh, more calls coming in from Home Helps when we were talking about the PPE gear for Home Helps. At this stage, we um, one Home Helps says we're hearing lots of statements from the HSE HSE about PPE gear, but we as Home Helps are still feeling very left down. We have gloves, but that's all the PPE gear we have. We've sent numerous requests and nothing, even though we were told. And didn't the HSE come out this week and state that everybody working in close confines with somebody in any kind of a caring role that they were to get the masks, I would be getting onto your line manager and saying that, you know, it's been stated that anybody working on a one-to-one within a two-metre distance of somebody must wear a face mask. So I would be insisting that you get those uh, face masks. And then a number of people want to comment on what's happening with the formation of a new government and the fact that we mentioned Sinn Féin have been left out of the negotiations between Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. Tom Infomoy says, I feel Sinn Féin should have been involved with these particular talks. I know they didn't get enough numbers to form a government on their own but they still had a huge amount of voters. They had the biggest pers- they had the biggest number one votes, didn't they? Of any other party. Seems so long ago now since the election. Anyway, how uh, Tom wonders how would Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil feel if they were excluded from talks. Helen is not happy with, with Deputy Michael Collins, um, particularly the fact that he brought on the election by looking for the vote of no confidence in Seamus, in Simon Harris. Uh, he called for an election when we had Brexit and then we had, the vi- we had this coronavirus coming down the road. Maybe if the government had been left alone, we would have had a different attitude from the government now and the, co- the government would have been able to have enforced powers sooner. The reason that Helen is so upset, she said, I lost my granny to COVID-19 and I'm so angry to think that if in this country we'd acted sooner that many deaths might have been prevented and I'm wondering if we didn't have an election when we had an election would the government have treated things differently? Uh, sorry to hear your loss of your granny it's it's really really hard very difficult time for so many people and Paul also not happy with Deputy Michael Collins and he describes his sidekick Matthew McGrath and the other group of rural independent TDs they were the only ones to oppose a doll motion in 2019 which was in favour of vaccines why did they do it says Paul because the Catholic fundamentalist groups told them to oppose it they claim for example that the HPV vaccine encourages promiscuity. They are all a disgrace, says Paul, not a fan of the rural independence. Patricia, your listener who had the poor Sinn Féin lament and saying why are the parties not talking to Sinn Féin clearly forgets that Sinn Féin representatives openly and unapologetically supported Jerry McCabe's killers after his shooting in 1996. Says this texture, they're not the kind of people I want to see in any government. Anthony says Leo Varadkar and Simon Harris are look are looking to be doing a good job when it comes to the coronavirus, but they are strongly being advised by the World Health Organization and the HSE officials. It's different in the usual everyday politics when they have a bigger say. And look at the mess the health service was in previous to this, says Anthony. And then on nurses, says ha, ha, ha. Supporting nurses, that's all great, but pay them and not yourselves, meaning 
the TDs stop paying yourselves pay the nurses instead uh, Patricia with all the talk about frontline workers etc I feel one group of people who constantly seem to get overlooked they're wonderful people they're the ones manning phone lines at the moment everything from the HSC to the community response programme to the Samaritans to the group who are manning the phone lines at, at alone some of these people are dealing with some real hard emotional issues at present could you give a big shout out to these wonderful people who man all the various helplines and that's a tough job that really is a tough tough job so we acknowledge them uh, today and if you are one of those workers who work on uh, helpline we applaud you uh, today Hi Patricia just say thank you for all the information that you're giving out on C103 and best wishes to John Paul and to Sadie this is from John who is in Madden's Buildings in Blackpool who got the internet in we were talking about John getting the internet in uh, last week he said I've still got I got the internet in but I'm still confused okay hang in there if you could contact somebody like Age Action. Now I know they can't do the same courses that they do at the moment but they might be able to give you advice over the phone or if you have a family member over the phone that could help you out but hang in there and keep at it. It'll open up a whole new world to you. You won't know yourself. Hi Patricia you're talking about Home Helps I have for years been giving out about home helps, driving from one house to another and wearing the same uniform. Uh, And it is still going on. And as regards nursing homes, I see workers care as the nurses going on duty in their uniforms. Surely this is all wrong. For years I've been talking about it and monitoring it and nothing seems to uh, change. And actually the C, I don't know if this was on our news bulletins today. It's the staff at Cork University Hospital. They've been told and warned not to wear their scrubs and their uniforms in supermarkets and that's to do with complaints coming in from members of the public. The warning is contained in, it's an internal email that was sent from the hospital's Infection Prevention and Control Committee and it's warning the staff about cross-contamination and they, they, they basically are telling staff warning them about their uniform and their scrubs that they they can be exposed to microbiological contamination in a clinical environment and they say staff should not come to work in uniforms or scrubs and they certainly shouldn't go out shopping during the day in the uniforms. The committee also asked the staff do not leave for home in their uniform or scrubs without changing into your outdoor attire and then you change at the hospital but when you arrive and when you leave and the, the reason for the warning was they're, they're seeing an increased number of complaints to the hospital from members of the public who are worried about seeing staff wearing their uniform outside of the campus and going around uh, supermarkets. And actually, the staff were also been asked to stop visiting relatives and loved ones who are in who are patients at CUH because it's in breach of the COVID nineteen no visitor policy. And it seems some of the staff members have been popping up to the wards. You know, if you and I suppose that's hard not to if you've got imagine if your mother or your father was a patient in the hospital and you were working there when you come off duty, sure I'll just pop in to see mum and dad. They've been asked not to do that because there's a no visitor rule and the no visitor rule is for the staff as well. Hi Patricia, I would totally agree with somebody who texted you earlier about nursing homes and when it comes to HICWA and the HICWA inspections. HICWA should do spot checks. There has always been a problem in nursing homes with the amount of infection my poor mother the amount of infection my poor mother got was unreal when she was a patient in a nursing home she passed away last year and she was on her own in the home oh bless Uh, it makes me sick to hear about nursing homes these vulnerable people cannot speak up for themselves Hi 
oh, hold on to that for a sec. And Aunt Marie says, Patricia, just to let you know, I bought two reusable face masks in Formoy, four euro each. And they're 100% cotton and they're washable. They're absolutely brilliant. It's not fantastic. Could you, Amory, could you let me know where you got those? They, they sound really good because I know somebody sent in a text earlier and John Paul is looking into it from a group who are making their, these are all the people, the ladies and gentlemen, but I imagine they're more ladies who are handy with sewing machines and they're sewing cloth masks uh, and it's happening all over the country it's been fantastic what is going on and they're doing it in the main for frontline workers in nursing homes uh, and all of that and we're hoping to catch up with them uh, next week so I don't know if people are making them and selling them as well so I don't know where Amory bought those but they sound fantastic that they're reusable and uh, washable because there is the feeling that we will we could end up on a next stage with restrictions whereby we'll all be asked to wear masks when we're out in public like when we go to supermarkets or if we're going out for a walk because the World Health Organisation are looking again at the wearing of face masks and they're kind of looking at what other countries are doing and they're proving that it is man- managing to stop the spread of coronavirus if everybody wears a mask out in uh, public. OK, and a helping hand for somebody, please. Hi Patricia, could you give a shout out and ask? I'm looking for somebody to fix an old Ferguson plough in the North Cork area. My contact number is 086 903 4877. That's 086 903 4877. If anybody knows of anyone who can fix an old Ferguson plough, which is currently in the North Cork area. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Now, the Doctors Into Light fundraising event for Pieta House, obviously that that can't go ahead this year. So they're appealing for people to support their Sunrise event on Saturday the 9th of May. They're asking people to share a Sunrise moment at 5.30am using the hashtag DIL2020, Darkness Into Light 2020, and then donate at darknessintolight.ie or you can visit pietahouse.ie to continue support for the great work of Pieta House who I imagine are under a huge, huge amount of pressure at the moment. Actually something that's happening for Pieta House this weekend is the Concert of Hope in Native Pieta House. It will be live streamed on the Pieta House Facebook page tomorrow Saturday from 5pm to 10pm acts include Walking on Cars Brian Kennedy The Studding and a host of other Irish artists who will be all be performing from their own homes and you can support Pieta House by clicking on the donate button on their Facebook page Court Today on C103 with Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September plan your future education see the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie Follow C103 on Facebook. Join us today and stay up to date with everything happening across Cork. Simply search Facebook for C103. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now the President of the Irish College of General Practitioners is urging everyone who is unwell that they should call their GP and not to ignore symptoms. GPs are concerned that patients with conditions such as chest pains, stroke or breast lumps are not attending their GP because of their fears of contracting COVID-19. Now Liz O'Connor has contacted us uh, to try to allay people fears about attending hospitals particularly during this pandemic. Good afternoon to you Liz. Good afternoon Patricia. 
Good afternoon, Patricia. Now, Liz, you, you went, I'm assuming, was it for your annual breast check? Was that how this all started? Yes, it all started at the 27th, uh, 26th of February. Okay. And uh, the, with the results of that, I had to go to Cork to breast check, and they were very, very wonderful. And then after that, I went to CUH where I had my op. Uh, CUH was brilliant, and I felt very safe as coronavirus was in full flight, but this hospital was extra safe and clean. And if anyone has a fear of going in with a medical problem, fear not. Professionalism is, is utmost. And then what I would like and plead with people, I encourage every woman that is called for a monogram to go for it. Yeah. Do not ignore it. Of all women who receive regular monograms, about 10% will get called back for further tests. And of those, only about... 0.5% will be found to have cancer. Now, I'm really stressing this. If you do get a lump, do not ignore it. It is not going to go away. We should not ignore anything to do with our health. And the majority of cases are benign. And as an expression I often used, a stitch in time saves nine. Absolutely. And when you went for your breast check, had did you have any lumps? Had you? Had, did no, you? I, no. So I it did. picked up something that wasn't even gone to the stage. Exactly. Where, yeah. Exactly. And you know, when I went uh, back for the results of my biopsy, you know, I went in with the attitude of uh, keeping my stiff upper lip. Yeah. And but it was like getting a slap in the face when I was told what I had. Luckily enough, it was A1 cancer. Okay. And I met Dr. Louise Kennedy. She was my surgeon. She was brilliant. You know. And where and where are you at now with treatment and ops yes, and on, all over? On, on the 5th, no, no, no. On the 5th of April, I'm going for radium treatment. Okay. And that'll be up at CUH. And that'll be up at CUH. But the staff in breast check are so compassionate. Nothing is the problem with these wonderful nurses. And, you know, my own experience with Nurse Uno O'Keefe and Claire Ann Daly are surmountable. Unbelievable. They're wonderful. And I think I'd love to put the majority of people, their minds at rest. Yeah. Just go for it. You, you, and all you of the doctors all over the country, this is, this is a nationwide issue. They are seeing a fall off in non-COVID-19 uh, issues. People are just afraid to go to the doctor. And those issues, those lumps and bumps and aches and pains and heart attacks and strokes have not gone away. Well, as I said to you earlier, it is not going to go away. They don't go away. They don't disappear. There isn't a miracle out there. You know, yeah. just go and face the music and you'll come out at the better side of it. But the problem is, why be scared? It's going to get worse, not better. And the same applies if you get a pain in your arm, your chest, and you say, oh, that's all right. That's the sign of an early stroke or a heart attack. Yeah, don't and ignore. Thought, if you don't respond, just go and get seen to. Okay. All right. So listen, you're, you're, you're doing well. You're doing well. That's the main thing. So continue good health to you, Liz. I will. Okay. And the most important thing is um, to keep fit as well. I think that's very important. You know, some people were saying to me, oh, you shouldn't be doing this. And of course, I'm a fanatic into gardening and stuff like that. And I keep whacking away at that. But it keeps me fit and I feel all the better for it. Well done. I, had, I was sitting hatching in the house before I went for the op in case I got any chest infections, having suffered with bronchiectasis on top of it. And that wasn't fun. And it is still, but I have that under control, I hope. But we'll use the word I hope. But if you have the right attitude, 
you know, don't expect everyone to do everything for you. You have to do it yourself. You do. All right, Liz, but listen. I'd pe- love just, to, just there, I'd love to thank people who have helped me to okay. take me up to Cork and stuff. And neighbours have been good. Um, Tom of Bradley and Shade Jackie up the road and my daughter's brilliant and my son they were brilliant and I think people like that it brings out the good side in people it does and that's the one thing that COVID-19 is doing as well listen uh, Liz so. uh, stay healthy and stay safe and, and thank you for that and it's a good message uh, from Liz to please don't ignore uh, symptoms and if you're feeling unwell call your GP they are there for you you don't turn up at the doctor's practice you ring them first and if they need to see you uh, they'll call you in now I want to go to Mick who had a birthday yesterday I'm told uh, good afternoon to you Mick Hello, Patricia, Mick, how are you? I'm very well you're in Bottefant do you am, want, yeah, do you want am, to yeah. say what age you were yesterday <laughs> yeah 85 85 happy yeah. birthday yeah. to you yeah. so you're cocooning obviously I wish you were so you were going to have a, night, a very quiet birthday nobody calling nobody, and te- nobody. tell us what <laughs> happened and uh, you know um, I got a shock in my life actually I was uh, out in the front we were talking to the neighbours across the road and um, all the cats came down the road and uh, drove in around the square and came out and uh, blowing the horn. I, did, I thought the match was on. <laughs> and I said, sure, they didn't play a match with this time of year. And uh, next thing they stopped to say the gate on my family and uh, oh. wish me happy birthday. Oh. So they were all in different cars, all, every, all social yeah, all, distancing. Two metres apart. <laughs> And they were all tooting the horns and everything. So they did a drive-by for you. Yeah, you well didn't know they stopped to back that one. You might have seen the television with you for that when the guardian all arrived, you know. And, yeah. Um, but um, the, the cake and all arrived. And did. <laughs> so it was a big, big surprise. And how many of them were there? Oh, God, there'd be about 20 or there. Was there? 20, yeah. Is that your good wife in the background? Uh, yeah. Right. And we're 59 years married next Wednesday. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> 59. 59. That's incredible. You'll have a big, you'll have a big one next year for the 60th. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Okay, and how's the cocooning going for you? It's very, very good. Yeah. We're, we're, we're spoiled, actually. <laughs> we're spoiled because they're, they're arriving with everything. We, 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 we want nothing. <laughs> their food has been dropped off and the yeah, messages. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. and the weather's good, isn't it? Beautiful. Yeah. It should be a lot different if it's raining, position, you know. Yeah. You couldn't go, but... The weather's great now. And you have a garden that you can get out into, do you? We have, yeah, yeah. Yeah, OK. And you're keeping busy? Oh, very, very busy. But, you know, we're, we're, we're often surprised there. You know, our family are up the road here and across the road. And oh, they, they, they don't go to either. So I can't wish we allowed to go to them, you know. Well, I'm, do you know something? I've, I'm thinking that what will happen next week when they ease the restrictions, I think one of them is going to be for... Those over seventy who are cocooning, I think you might be. They might be allowing people out for small walks, so maybe, yeah. maybe. But it's all about keeping you safe. Oh God, it's easy. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And listen, what's your wife's name? Yes, yes, yeah. What's her name? Angela. Angela. Well, listen. Afternoon to Angela as well, and uh, stay safe yeah, and yeah. A belated happy birthday for yesterday. Thank and you very much. Thank you. Happy wedding anniversary for and next you know, week. Sure, we're going to say there about um, the green party, you know, and their carbon. Yeah, carbon emissions. Everything. Do you think we're going to get the carbon tax the way they're talking about it? You know, and I have an app there on my phone and I can see London Airport, all the flights going in and out. Yeah. And there was 18 flights the other night going to, into London Airport. Well, well, normally there'd be thousands of them like going every, you know. They're all grounded. They're, well, they, they are. And that's the one, that if you can see a good sign to the pandemic, it has yeah, eased know, carbon yeah, emissions. Yeah. But yeah. They, they've done more than 
what the Green Party are going to do anyway. Yeah, you know, that's true. That's all, true. The, all the emissions are, you know, easier, L- that's one everything, you know. Listen, you mind yourself. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is uh, Mick in Botswana. And well done to Mick's family. Uh, There's a lot of people doing those drive-bys. I think it's a a fantastic way to do it and to make sure that people like Mick know that he's been remembered on his 85th birthday. May he have many, many more. Uh, Quick look at some of your... WhatsApps uh, coming in. Uh, Hi Patricia, I am uh, a home help and I've been told that I have been redeployed to a nursing home but I've yet to get a call a week on to say where I am going. Uh, I was working but obviously some of my people have been taken off me but hearing this is hearing other people talking about that they've lost their home helps because the home help has gone to the H uh, to a nursing home and yet somebody met the home help and they still haven't started work yet. Uh, this home help says if they ring they will uh, and say that the dependency is high of the client they will get the home help hours returned. It's a ridiculous situation that I find myself in. I'm the only home help in my area and now I'm seeing girls from neighbouring towns who have to come to do my work because I've been told I've been deployed to a nursing home. What a waste of HSE travel money. It seems crazy. Please, please, please do not call out uh, my name. And I won't. Christine Temple Glanton says, Patricia, I must say that Michael Collins is, this Deputy Michael Collins who joined us earlier, is the most outstanding and genuine politician in the Dáil. His heart's in the right place. Common sense, no nonsense politician uh, without baloney not a great word baloney he's probably the only real independent TD with no links to any other party unlike most of the other so-called independents we need more of his like and that's from uh, Christy and thank you to somebody actually texted in about this and I and John Paul has actually given me a piece to make sure that I mentioned it today because Gardaí and Banton have been on they're investigating phone calls received by a number of people in West Cork from a man claiming to be a local priest. Three women in the Britain area told Gardaí that they received phone calls in recent days from a man claiming to be the local parish priest and the local parish priest is a gentleman by the name of Father Jerry Kremen. And a fourth woman received a similar call uh, and Gardaí are waiting to, uh, to talk to her. The fake priest, because it wasn't Father Jerry, the fake priest offered to hear their confessions over the phone if they so wished. Now three of the women straight away realised the caller was a hoax. I mean obviously if you knew Father Jerry well you'd know his voice wouldn't you? So three said would you go away and they hung up st- uh, straight away. However he did manage to persuade the fourth woman to talk to him um, and then he said some very pretty upsetting things to the woman. Now Gardaí are investigating the, in- 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 the incident and by the way they've ruled out any connection to a recent incident in which a woman from Formoy received a call from a man who claimed to be a local priest. On that particular occasion he was trying to call to visit her. He was inquiring if she wanted to visit. Now obviously she straight away realised something suspicious here and reported it straight away to the Gardaí. But Father uh, Kremen said the calls were all received on Wednesday afternoon. He is now specifically asking people to let their elderly neighbours know about these calls. He said, I've spoken to all of the four households involved and the ladies are all recovering. They're all getting over and they're all doing fine. And he just said, pray for all, whoever they are. We are victims of cowardly abusers such as uh, this. Uh, So that is shameful. So just be aware of that. Speak to older people. Be careful if they're getting phone calls from people purporting to be uh, their local priests. And actually, Kavanagh's of Formoy 
were also out urging people to be wary of a scam which involves an email claiming to be from the company's accounts section and it's seeking payment for an overdue uh, invoice Kavanaugh's of uh, for more their main forge dealers they put it up on their Facebook post and the email is claiming to come from account slash owners Kavanaugh's of Formoy um, and it's meant to be on behalf of a Paula Lawrence and that is a scam please ignore 1850 333 103 and an E just in one quick email before we go to the break um, says Dear Patricia yesterday you discussed how some people are missing going to Mass during the lockdown I think a lot of people go to Mass because it gives them a reason to get out of bed in the morning comb their hair and look a bit presentable they are probably also missing the chat at the church gate I would suggest to those people surely they could ring a friend or two now that we're all in lockdown together I have a friend who hardly ever misses Mass and if there's exposition of the Blessed Sacrament she'll spend an extra hour with her head in her hands deep in prayer but that same person and this is in big bold capitals hasn't lifted the phone once to speak to me since lockdown and by the way I can't ring her to tell her because I got a new phone as my old one was lost with all of my numbers so I don't actually have her number but I've learned a valuable lesson as to who my real friends are it even says in the Bible prayer without good deeds is of no avail. So all you holy Joes out there, now that we've come off the hamster wheel, take out your Christmas card list and ring those people now. Action speaks louder than words. Please keep my name private. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. You're helping to protect the healthcare workers on the front line who are working so hard for us. You're staying at home to help protect all the people who still have to go to work. And you're helping keep our health service functioning so that we can look after people who get seriously ill. You are saving so many lives. Isn't that an incredible thing to be able to say? We live in challenging times. Look out for each other and stay safe. Be responsible. Follow COVID-19. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
guidelines and stay with us. We'll update you with the latest advice and measures from official sources. We're online, on your phone, smart speaker and radio. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. And let's go to the movies with Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. And, well, we're not going to the movies, but we're watching uh, movies, watching them on uh, streaming services. Now, Sonic the Hedgehog was the movie and you also saw The Iron Mask. Here's a clip from Sonic the Hedgehog. I'm Sonic. I'm here to protect my friends. Pew, 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 pew. Super Sonic. The government wants to dissect you and arrest me. We gotta lay low. Let me show you how it's done. Time to go. I'm coming for you. That was an illegal left, by the way. Here comes the boom. How are you not dead? I have no idea. Sonic the Hedgehog. What? I'm okay. Now, this is one of the ones that never made it to the cinema, isn't it? I don't think it... Uh, maybe it did for a while. I'm oh, not quite sure. I can't remember, but it is uh, certainly available now on streaming, yeah. OK, so Sonic the Hedgehog. This is... Wasn't he a character in a in a, one of those... No, one of those old video games? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was an old Sega character. And, uh, you know, I didn't do much gaming at all because, uh, you know, when the kind of gaming thing kind of took off, I was already a grown man, so... Didn't really play very much of them, but I did play Sonic. But I never had that kind of emotional kind of response or kind of tie to him like a lot of people did. And that was shown when the first uh, trailer was released, uh, maybe about a year, year and a half ago. And fans just took one look at um, at Sonic and went no, because the design was just this really, really weird design where you had this kind of hedgehog that looked kind of had this kind of human features. He had kind of a human like body and he had human teeth. And the fans just went, no, we're not having it. That's not going to happen. That's not going to work. And so they went back and uh, they obviously spent an awful lot of money, redesigned him so that the hedgehog looked very, very similar to the original Sonic. And it's worked. And I'm glad to say it's worked uh, because it's really, really good fun. I really, really liked it. And I wasn't expecting to, to be honest with you, at one stage when we actually thought it wasn't going to be very, very good. But it is. And uh, it's, 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 you know, it's one of those movies, you know, just for all the family that everybody will enjoy. It looks great. It's funny. I'm glad to be able to say that the hedgehog isn't annoying okay. because he could very well have been. Uh, his voice here by uh, Ben uh, Schwartz. And it's just this really, really love sweet movie about this kind of uh, hedgehog that comes from another planet. He ends up in kind of small town America. I think what was interesting, though, for me is that I think they missed a trick at the start of the film because what happens once he arrives on Earth, he then, the film then basically jumps 10 years ahead. Uh, and I think having kind of a hedgehog out of water kind of story would have been really good because he moves really, really fast. He can run at the speed of light. He can also generate huge amounts of electricity. And I think that, uh, you know, his first kind of um, time on Earth would have made a very, very good story. But for some reason, they said, look, we're not going to bother with that. We're going to jump 10 years ahead. He's still alone. He still lives alone. And he's very lonely. Uh, why it took him 10 years to get very lonely, I don't know. But then what happens is that one night he plays baseball with himself because he can throw the ball and then he can run and then he can hit the ball. And it's a very, very, very clever, funny sequence. But he realizes how alone he is at that moment, runs so fast that he generates so much electricity that it causes a power outage in the whole county, which then uh, generates interest from the American government, who then enlist uh, the help of this kind of evil genius, this supervillain, uh, Dr. Robotnik, here played by um, um, uh, the great Jim Carrey who isn't so great in this, and I'll explain ah. why, is really, really disappointed because one of the things I was looking forward to seeing uh, was Jim Carrey do Jim Carrey. 
I thought he was going to be really over the top in kind of an Ace Ventura kind of a way. Unfortunately, I believe what he did was he took one look at the script and he said, look, I don't want to have anything to do with this, threw it out. And the problem is that he has kind of portrayed Dr. Robotnik in a really kind of weird, creepy way instead of a kind of a nicely kind of, uh, you know, kind of comedic way. Uh, he looks, I do, do you remember the film The Great Race years ago? I do, yeah. Cody yeah. Curtis and Jack Lemmon. Yeah. He, has, he looks exactly the same as Jack Lemmon. But Jack Lemmon played that kind of character, that kind of evil genius, that kind of professor, in a really kind of sweet way and comedic way, where he doesn't in this film. He's actually really quite aggressive and creepy. And it's a terrible pity. And it's the only thing uh, of this whole movie that I didn't like. I just didn't like Jim Carrey in it. I thought he could have been way, way better. And I wish he had been. Because it, it it's just out of context with the, with the rest of it, which is so sweet and funny. The effects are amazing. Uh, the one thing, the other thing that did kind of surprise me is that uh, uh, Jim Carrey's character and this uses these kind of drones to these to try and capture uh, Sonic, and they're the exact same as the drones that they used in Oblivion, uh, the film with uh, Tom Cruise in the year back. So I don't know who uh, can design the original drones, but I think a few phone calls would be necessary. I think. Uh, because they are the exact same. So those are just maybe two bum notes in this film. Other than that, I look. I thought it was great fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and one, and one for all, yeah, one for all the family. Very much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I like that idea because people are in with uh, children of all ages. So mark it out of ten. So I give it a good nine. Nine out of ten. Yeah. Okay, that's Senek the Hedgehog, and then the Iron Mask. Yeah, this is a very odd film. It really is. I mean, it's got it's called The Iron Mask here, although it's got about 10 other different titles. So the Mystery of the Dragon Seal is another one, for example. And because it's a kind of a Chinese-Russian uh, co-production, uh, obviously there are different titles to the film as well. Um, it's a very, very strange film, which apparently is um, a sequel to a film called Vi, which came out in uh, 2014, which I never heard of, I have to admit. Um, it was the biggest uh, kind of um, money-making film in Russia in that year. And so they've decided to make another one all these years later. Um, and so because it's got kind of, it's got this kind of co-production between Russia and and China, a lot of the, the characters here are dubbed because obviously there are three separate versions: there's the English version, there's the Russian version, and the China version, the Chinese version. We see the uh, English version. I don't know how you feel about dubbing, but um, don't like always, it. Don't yeah, like it. Friends. It throws me off the movie straight away. Exactly, yeah, and part of the reason is because a lot of the actors who play, you know, and who do the voices, uh, you know, don't really understand the script and just basically turn up and do it. And they tend not to be very good, so it tends to kind of undermine how just how good the film is. I've seen Chinese films and um, that have been subtitled, and I thought they were great. And then you watch it, it went subtitled, and some of the subtitles here are dreadful. They've obviously overdubbed a lot of the voices anyway. So even the English actors uh, like Jason Fleming, the American actors like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and uh, you know, and others. Their voice were obviously overdubbed afterwards, and even that sounds really, really strange and really, really weird. And the whole story, if, if, if ever you give me a kind of a one-word review for a film like this, I'd say it was just bloated. Because basically what they basically do is they just go, right, let's just throw everything at the screen. And the, the, the script and the storyline is so complicated. Uh, basically, the, the, the character that was in the original, uh, uh, Jason Fleming plays this character called John, Jonathan Green, who's a cartographer who's trying to map the Russian Far East. And whilst he's doing that, you know, he confronts kind of, you know, princesses, he bizarre, weird creatures, um, he, the man in the golden mask. It's like every storyline they could find just thrown at you. And it's just weird and it's all over the place, which is a terrible pity. There's a long, long, like, they've had, they promote the film uh, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jackie Chan. Uh, they're hardly in the film at all, apart from one fight scene, which lasts about 20 minutes. 
which has nothing to do with the storyline at all. It was almost like, okay, we got Jackie, we got Arnold, let's give them something to do. They've used their names to promote the movie almost. Yeah, which is a terrible pity, yeah. So it's a big, big bloated mess, which is unfortunate because I think some of the sequences are really, really beautiful. Some of the CGI is terrible and some of it is exciting. Some of it is boring. It's just a mess. It's all over the place and it's such pity because when it's good, it's very good. When it's when bad, it's, bad, it's, it's very bad. The Iron Mask, market out of 10? Four. Four. <laughs> 4 out of 10 have a lovely week we'll chat next it Friday is. thanks for many that's the Iron Mask and before that uh, Sonic the Hedgehog which comes with a 9 out of 10 that's Mark Malone our movie reviewer ok before I go quick rundown through some of your texts coming in hi Patricia just to let you know I was tested for COVID-19 in Mallow on the 20th of March still no results I rang my doctor last week and they had no news either thanking you and where are we at today 24th of April you're over a month so even if you did get a positive result today a little bit like Mary Lou MacDonald she waited 16 days for her test results and by the time she got it the 14 days had passed and she was no longer infectious so even if you get a positive result you'll be no, you'll be out of isolation and you're well out of isolation by now but I suppose it's just for you to know yourself if you've had uh, COVID-19 or not I would suggest getting back on to the doctor again ring again and keep ringing until you get a result and thank you to the listener who mentioned the reusable face masks uh, I purchased the reusable face masks in uh, Horns Health Store in Formoy. Okay, Horns Health Store in Formoy. They're reusable and they're washable. Is it safe to buy a newspaper? Somebody said, absolutely. And as with anything, when you if you read a newspaper, sit down and read it, you wash your hands. When you go out to the shop, when you come back in, wash your hands. Put your shopping away, wash your hands. Sit down and read the paper, wash your hands. I mean, even if you were to pick up a virus, the virus anywhere on your hands, you've then got to get it in your mouth, up your nose or in your eyes. We've got to keep washing our hands and that will keep you safe. And there is also a text in the same position. I hope that the guards will turn out in large numbers and turn people back at checkpoints across this weekend if their journey is really unnecessary. My friend is in Cork, is unable to go to the United Kingdom today for her mother's funeral as he doesn't want to get the virus or doesn't want to take the risk of spreading the virus to anybody else and he has stayed indoors for nearly three weeks. Such a difficult time. Thank you, Mary, for that and pass on our deepest uh, sympathies for to your friend, uh, please. What did you say about Donald Trump and Dettol, says the listener? I'm telling you, don't drink Dettol. The makers of Dettol are saying, please don't drink it because Donald Trump came out yesterday talking about disinfectant and how it kills the virus and hard surfaces. So he suggests, could we not, could people not start injecting it or consuming debt on. You can't. It's not for human consumption. Uh, that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul and to Sadie for answering your calls all week. Thank you for your calls and comments throughout uh, the week. We're back with you on Monday morning at, at 10 o'clock. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. Look after yourself. Uh, stay safe and stay home and don't forget to wash your hands. I'm Patricia Messenger. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.